RootsoftheSwampThing.com, your definitive online source for all things Swamp Thing. Uh, Holland Files number two is out, Garrett. How is it? Holland File 2 was awesome. A lot of cool like images that you haven't got to see in Holland Files number one, so definitely looking forward to finishing this bad boy. And that's not the only thing. If you want to learn more about Swamp Thing, Alex, where would you go? You're going to go to RootsOfTheSwampThing.com. Make sure you stay in touch at RootsOfTheSwampThing.com on Twitter at DCWorldSwampy, <laughs> Facebook.com slash RootsOfTheSwampThing. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. Brought to you by RootsOfTheSwampThing.com and Supercon 2018, Return of the Con. Keep turning those pages. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, we have Badass. How are you doing, Alex? Hello, everyone. Hey, Badass. To my left, we have Jorge. How are you doing, Garrett? I'm doing good. I feel like poking things today. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad that you are, Jorge, because I tell you what, uh, that's when I read this book, that's Garrett. Classy motherfucker. <laughs> and I am, what's the dog's name? Dante. Da- Dante. That's a fucking good name. It is. Um, that dog, by the way, if you notice, oh, I didn't even notice that. That dog is older in the beginning. Anyway, uh, hey, we'll talk for today's our book club show. What is it here? What kind of book club? <clears throat> Wednesday Comics, probably, oh, damn it. Wednesday Comics, Leave Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents Day Tripper. Bye. Oh, oh uh, Gabriel Moon and Fa- no, f- Fuck. Yeah, I'm right. Hey, yeah, yeah. Gabriel hey, Moon and Fabio Ba. I was giving you episodes. Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. See, yeah. I was wrong. You were wrong. <laughs> you tricked me. Uh, as you can tell, I'm under the weather, so uh, ignore this voice. This voice is kind of deeper today. Uh, yeah. We're going to go deep on this book. Where it's this about book. time you hit people. I mean, it was necessary for this book, right? My voice gets deep. We're going to go deep today in this book. It's a very uh, heady book, I would say, emotional. Uh, we all conversed before uh, we started the show that we all uh, did share some tears. Not together. There, Not was, together, no, there was no well of tears. It was singular no, tears. but three men did cry. Uh, Separate cases. over the last couple, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is a ten-issue miniseries that came out in Vertigo uh, during Karen Berger's day, her days when she was editor of, of Vertigo. And so uh, this was—they were coming off of like Unbridled Academy, which was our first book in this uh, series. Uh, they're coming off of other things. They do Casanova also, but I think they're doing what else were they doing? Is it listed here? No, not really. Uh, This—they went on to win an Eisner for this, a Harvey. Uh, as like a best story, best one shot, um, not one shot. What do you call it? Limited series. Limited series. And so, um, and that's not the reason why we picked it, though. No. This is a book that did I read it first, and I recommend it to you. You'd, you'd read it. You had read it first, and when I had gotten into books, you go, I, I'm not comfortable giving oh, that's you Day Tripper. I read Day Tripper a long time ago, and it really, I really enjoyed it. And Alex started reading comics. And I go. And he's like, I think you asked me one of my favorite comics. I go, Day Tripper. I go, I go, you can't read it. And I go, I don't even mean like I'm not going to borrow it to you. I go, you, you don't pick up this book. I go, I need you to read other books, get used to this comic thing. And when I feel comfortable for you to possibly hate my favorite book, then you can read it. And Alex read it, and Alex liked it, so that was good for a while. I was going to say, if you told him to read that flat out first, no, bad no. friend, bad friend. <laughs> I said, well, I think part of it was that when I was only reading the superhero books that. You know, everything was a joke. Everything is lighthearted. Yeah. No one dies. There's nothing 
serious going on. I think that's what it was. You were just reading Marvel and DC at the time, and then this would have been your first like non Marvel DC book. And I was like, no, that can't be your first. So you started reading image books, and then we start. Eventually, I was like, yeah, you should read it now. I think I bought it for you, didn't I? I think you gave it to me for Christmas one year. Because um, you're like, now... Well, I did. You're right. I did buy it for Christmas. I said, now you're ready to yep. read this. I was say, it was you giving me the permission to read this book. Kind of pretentious on my side, but still, I don't want you to ruin my first book. And then uh, you had picked it for the book club. This is your choice for this. Yes. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't listened to a book club show in the past, we rotate. I picked the first one, and then it was Garrett, and then Alex. I'm picking one at the end of the show. Stick around. It's coming up. Um, man, my voice sounds really weird. And then... That's what we've thought the so, entire time we've done Wednesday Comics. <laughs> we, <laughs> Alex announced that, hey, this is going to be the book, and that's your first time reading it, right, Garrett? Yes. I actually bought it like five years ago during a free comic book day. Oh, really? But I just haven't like had a chance to open it. And like, you know, we've talked about this before, like sometimes like with like Royal City and like things like that. When there's a book that's so emotionally heavy, like I almost avoid it because like... I don't know. I generally so like to be a positive guy. So it's like hard. Like I was hesitant, but like... When I finally got to delve in, I was like, man, I should have been reading this the whole freaking time. Like, it's so good. You know what's something we should do that we haven't done in the past, and I think we should start now, is at least for like five minutes here, let's do like a non-spoiler review of just saying how what we thought about the book. And that way, if you haven't read this, if you're hearing this for the first time, go, oh, actually, that sounds pretty good. You can go back and read it. And then let's start the show will actually spoil the book and actually talk about it in depth. But I want to throw this question out there just because uh, we're talking about how I hyped it up for Alex and he read it. And enjoyed it, and you heard us talking about it for a long time. I think that's why you bought it. Yeah, you guys were talking about it, and you know what's funny is I'll talk about our chat one more time. And then before you open this up, is like as soon as I finished this book, right away I texted these two and I said, "You bastards," because <laughs> they did it fucking again. Uh, they recommended a book, I read it, and I was like, Fuck, I was "That's what I'm talking about." Like so. And like you bought it because we were talking about it so much. And then I think over the course of five years and multiple times on this podcast, we've said this is like my favorite. And Alex is one of his favorites. It uh, we we talk about it all the time uh, about a book that I think a while back we were talking about perspective. Right. And, uh, you read something and it changes the way you think about things. So if you after all that hype, you still liked it. Is yeah. That yeah. I mean, you know, I. I trust in the teaming of Alex and Martin when they recommend a book. But besides that, like... Not individually, just together. To be, individually, to, be fair, to be fair, I would I would say the same thing, though. You like something? Okay. I may, may not wouldn't believe it. Right. Marvin goes, I also agree it's good. Okay. It's worth a try. Two's better than one. Depending on what the book is, you're right. If it's one, it's hearsay until I actually read it. Yeah. But um, I think that, you know, going in with high expectations for how much you like it, you know, usually when you do that, things usually go lower. Mine rose higher than my high expectations going into it. So it's a really powerful story. And I think, um, yes, kind of like Marvin was saying, you know, with Alex's like bringing on to Day Tripper, you definitely need to warm up in comics to begin with. But once you're there, this is a great read. Um, it's very layered. And if you're looking for a realistic book, this is the money. I think also you have to be ready to, and I think we've hyped it in that way, to read a book that is not going to, I mean, there are happy moments, but it really is an overall, not, I mean, there's I depressing don't lab, stuff. Yeah, don't label it as depressing. I think it's, I think at the end, it's a hopeful book. It's a book about being hopeful instead of being depressing. But <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But I think you should, like you said, it's not going to be your, it's not going to be light at all. It's not light. It's not a no, light book. So, no. you you know, you sit down with this thing. I think no matter where, you, I think this is one of the books I talked about. No matter where you are in your life, you get something different out of it. You read it in a certain way. I even texted you guys after I read it. Uh, and I guess that's not really spoilers. When I first read this, I didn't have a son. And I read it thinking about my dad. And then uh, now that I have a son, I read this thinking about my son as like a father. Um, and so I was like, I find it very powerful in that way that you can read it. I can read it twice and think about the words in a different way that like there's a, we'll talk about in depth later, but there's a part at the end where the first time I read it, I thought about, you know, you think about like the sacrifices your parents make. And then now I'm reading it being, and it's more about like where your role is in your son's life or yep. my son's life. And then you have a daughter now, uh, Garrett. You'll eventually. I, I, I thought he was saying, you have a daughter, Garrett. <laughs> and I was or, like, oh, or I'll get a dog named Don. <laughs> but I mean, even even if you don't have somebody, uh, what do you call it? I can't. Somebody. You don't have a child. If you don't have a child, yeah. you can still, like, you can think about, like, your father. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, think about, you know, like, your future kids. Like, think right, about. Like, yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's like, even though I don't have a kid, like, I can still they pull you in so much that you can get inside the mindset of the main character's relationship with his father slash his father with him and vice versa onto his son. Well, so Garrett said, even after all the hype, he liked it. Alex, what do you think after reading it so long ago, you read for a second time after all this time and does it, did it still live up to being like, this is still great. So for the, the first time I read it, I was, um, I was still pretty green in the gills, going, "Okay, I, this is. I know this book is is a uh, an important book to Marvin, um, and it's more of a serious book. I hadn't read serious before, and it was it was great back then. Loved it. Um, and not that I'm a, a badass by any any meaning, but I don't really tear up a lot. Uh, other than like we three, like we made the joke or pride of, uh, pride of Baghdad." I'm an animal lover that I was going to say, but mostly is animals. But it's generally animal related yeah. things that kind of bum me out. Um, so the first time I read it, I really didn't have that emotional spectrum of going, wow, this is, this is heartfelt. It is great, but I'm not feeling, I'm not having any blues. I read it tonight and, uh, I had, I had some tears roll down my cheek at the, I'm just going to say the last issue really was the strongest for me. Yeah. And that's uh, hopefully not a spoiler. Just, but it all the build up in the book. Been so right. All the build up in the book. There were other things that really, really got me choked up, but nothing made me tear up until I even talked to my wife after I got done reading it, and I just couldn't help but stare at my daughter. I just, I, I was telling Marvin tonight. I almost want tissues in here just in case, because I tell you what, just talking about this book, it is, it Funny. is an emotional roller coaster. You got a gray shirt, and I'm an ugly, I'm, and I'm an ugly crier. <laughs> The thing with it you're also, without and actually I want to preface that if you're going to get the book, uh, what Alex said, the last issue is probably the strongest. I think it does build though. Like, don't read this the first issue, or when you read the trade, read the first part of it and be like, well, that really didn't catch me because they really have yet they something happens in this book over and over again. You kind of spit, oh, okay, I see what's going on here, and then you kind of get what the book's about. Yeah. And I think you really have to read about three to four of them, maybe even five, to be like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. And I think it's those moments that you see are seeing these issues that when you get to that final issue or those, actually, I think the last two issues are actually kind of, it should be like one big issue, but yeah. yeah. Um, when you get to those, then you're that's, it's kind of like the exclamation point on the whole thing. 
right. you're like, oh, this is powerful because of those other issues and what those were. And so we'll talk about that in depth here in a second. But I think me too also. I think it makes my memory third time reading it. I think I read it once a long time ago when I first got it. And then when I recommended it to Alex and I gave it to him, I was like, let me make sure this thing's still good. And I reread it and it was still good then. And then now I read it again for the third time. And uh, like I said, different perspective now. And I thought I was reading it being like, first off, the we haven't talked about it so far. The book is beautiful. Oh, colors yes. and yes, art. So good. Like Fabio, uh, I think they do have a book coming out pretty soon. I, I, I hope so. I actually made me want to go back and find Stuff past books on. just uh, to read them. Because if, if, if all their writing is as beautiful as this, because even the writing is just, it tells a story and the it's called prose, right? Yeah. All the little, I mean, those prose are so good. There's and some narration and there's some uh, dialogue. I think the, uh, you know what? A lot of times in, in writing and especially comic writing, narration kind of seems uh, pretentious in a way. Or seems like that it could be like, this is what you should be thinking. This is what you should be feeling. Like they're trying to guide you, which I mean, you really should. But in this book, it really does seem. So the main character is an obituary writer. And it kind of does seem like the narration mainly is his obit. And it really isn't like trying to tell you like, oh, uh, you know, he went to this. It's not really like direction for the scene. It's more like you know, in this moment, he's like, it's kind of like inner dialogue instead of being narration. And so I think that's why it's great. It's like you're, it kind of gives you more about the scene rather than telling you this, what the scene's about. Um, I think, uh, you know, when we saw their art or saw Fab, I think Fabio or Gabriel, no, Gabriel worked Bob. on Umbrella Academy. That was really weird kind of art and it was a unique style. But if I saw that and I saw this, I wouldn't be like, all oh, those are the same people. Yeah. Like this is definitely like Gary said, more realistic and the colors, the watercolors are beautiful. Um, but it definitely is kind of like dreamlike realistic. Whereas Umbrella Academy was more like trying to look weird and trying to look kind of strange and alien in Sci-fi-ish. a way. Yeah. yeah. Where this is kind of like nobody looks like they wouldn't be a person. Right. And there's nothing. They talk about that in the book. Like they actually try to make every single place they went to in this uh, book seem lived in and seem real. And you really do get that uh, flavor. I mean, the favorite that uh, um, sense. Yeah, that sense. Because you, when you see every single place, like they go to his work, they go to like a grocery store. Every single place is like that. Seems like real. Like there's nothing like either the detail in each one is not like super detailed. Where you're like, oh, that's a lot. That must take you forever. But it's realistically detailed. Like right. you're like, oh, of course, like that's laying there. Yep. That's like, and then it really does when you see it. I think in a good way, make you forget about the background because you're like, oh, that's real. I don't have to look at it to see if it's real. Like, I know it's real. <coughs> and so a lot of things just seem like you're just watching somebody live life. Yeah. Um, this is one of those books that the the art all around is so good. And it is realistic that sometimes I don't even have to look at the panel. I can see it at the, the periphery of my eye going, I, I already understand the panel without having to intently look, or, you know, look at it super hard it's like this is they just this book is so smooth while you're reading it and even the parts that i in other books would actually go well it's kind of wordy it adds so much flavor and adds so much storytelling that it's never been a it's not a, a complaint to get to read this and there's some panels you could really just look at and there's so much detail but you're right that's that's the realism that they're trying to create like they even say it um, post story that 
you know, this place doesn't have to be real, but you need to feel that it's real. And if you feel that it's real, then it is real. Um, so I think, man, like what a great collaboration. Because didn't both do art for it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, both did art at different There's times. There's a little both picture story. of them at the beginning of the book, and they're both drawing size. Right, both yeah. Um, even if at the end of the book they talk about this, but you kind of notice it throughout the book. And I think I talked about it, if you go back and we talk about Killer Be Killed, that like acting, like the people in this book, like you can't really say that, you know, actors act, but they act with their face. And here, these characters are really acting with their faces, and they talk about how they want you to see a picture and be like, I don't know what that person's feeling right now. I don't need you to tell me in a narration. And there are some pages I was just looking at, like second to last issue, where a lot of it is silent. But in those panels, you can clearly see what's going on. You can clearly see how people feel. And I don't need uh, narration to be like, oh, you know, they were really sad in this moment or like this was the worst moment of their life. I know from looking at their faces. And I think uh, there's not many artists that can do that. They can make people act in that way. A lot of them, like a lot of artists are great at what they do. But when it comes to faces and like emotions, it's very static. But these two together... I was reading this, and I think that's where a lot of it comes from because you can see the pain in people's faces. And I don't think you see that much in, in comics, at least. Like, right. great actors, you can see when they have pain in their face and they're not like, you know, who's somebody? I've got to forget. There's an actor that is, like, so great at crying because you can see the pain in their face and they don't just, like, start, like, bawling. You know what I mean? But I can see, like, they're, like, distraught. Well, that's what this is. Like, there's a I scene here. Michael Caine right away. <laughs> there's a scene... <laughs> At, uh, in the second to last issue with uh, a female character, I'll just say for now, for not spoilers, where something happens to the family and she's just in the car and it's all silent and it's just like her thinking about what just happened, but I it, there's no words for like a page and a half and you're just looking at it being like, I know what's happening right now. Like, I know what she's thinking. I don't need you to tell me and they never do. I mean, they never even tell you like why she's just sitting in the car, but you know, because if, you, if somebody's ever been in that situation why she just can't get out of the car and like go on with her life. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the book now, but that's been long enough. But so I would recommend it. I know you two would. Yes. Yes. I'm definitely looking forward to my second read through because this is definitely something that like, you know, you guys have noticed by doing your rereads that it can affect you in different points in time in your life. And I think in your even future reads of this book, because I know this is not the last time either of you will read this book, even in the future, can affect you in different ways. So, oh, hey, th- I'm excited to do a second read through, get different perspectives, because it's it's like a movie with like a million Easter eggs. I feel like there's so much that I I missed, but at the same, like there's more plot that I could figure out. Like I think this book is definitely one that you can reread, and I don't think there's any other medium but comic medium that you could do this book. And I don't think movie TV show or anything could give it justice. Just this comic format. Uh, two things that what you said, one, um, let's go. I just want to clarify it. It's not only about being father and son or like right. be having a kid. There's uh, chapters about friendship, chapters about relationships. Family. It's about just life in general. <laughs> right. Uh, I just said that because at the end, it, that's a part of that affected me. Um, so like you were saying, yeah, even like you and your life right now, the friendship parts can mean something to you. The relationship parts can mean something right. to you. And uh, later on when you're out throughout your life, like when we also get older, like I want to read this book, maybe the part uh, with his father, that he's an older guy, like that'll affect me more uh, when I'm older. So, um, and also um, in no other medium can do it. I think if you do this in another medium, like TV or movies, people will be so concerned about 
trying to figure out what the supernatural thing is about this book. The mythology, basically. That they wouldn't be seeing like, no, that's not what this is about. Yeah. And I think it's comics because you can take that your own time with it and kind of look at in the way that the book is drawn, that it kind of takes that, for at least for me, and I think you guys I yeah. would agree, that I really didn't even care about that part. But no. Well, I think part of it is that this is a book that is, it's for you to decide how you feel. That if you did a movie, you did a TV show, um, I don't think a novel could, an actual just word novel suffice. You need the pictures to show you not necessarily how you need to feel, but how these characters feel. Um, a movie, they would work too hard on guiding you on how you're supposed to feel. With this book, certain- well, like you, I think you said it perfectly. The way they draw these characters to make you feel how they're feeling, yep. that's real. Yep, That's real if you feel it. Um, I'd, so we recommend it, but I would say like you really have to be wanting to read something that's going to make... I know some people just don't like reading or watching depressing things right. or anything like that. Uh, they just like watching happy things. But so you really have to be like, okay, I really want... If you like books that you know look at life and they try to give you a different perspective and try to... Uh, I guess it's cheesy to say, but find the meaning of life. But that's what this is. So that sounds good to you. And you uh, trust our recommendations. If you're this far into this podcast and you are, uh, go get it. It's not that expensive either. It's like 10 bucks. <laughs> this one's 20 bucks. But oh, well. 20, but 10 issues for 20 bucks. Yeah. It's not, so bad. It's not, it's not bad. that bad. And hey, if you have a library card, it's on Hoopla. So go get on Hoopla. You can read it. I, I, to be, I have it in... Uh, Novel form and in issues. You did get it in issues? Yeah, about a year ago in issues. Oh, nice. Those issue covers are great. Are I saw on eBay, $20 make it whole. Yeah. Oh, really? It's not that much. I, say, I, I worth it if you like this book. So, uh, Breyas is uh, the... Breyas the Olivia Domingos is the main character. Spoilers, he, by the way. <laughs> he would all spoil spoilers. Why is that a word? Why no? But I just let everybody know. He's a miracle child. He was born in darkness. He was born in, during this blackout and... They, he wasn't breathing. They brought him to another room and his mom started singing and they started crying and all the power and the whole city came back on. So they, she kept calling him my miracle child. Um, my little miracle. My little miracle. Yep, that's what she says. Not miracle child. And uh, the story basically is there's 10 issues. Nine of them are him living a day in his life. And at the end of each issue, the big twist is that he dies nine times. And... Um, let me say it right now. Actually, I was going to keep it to the end, but this is a good place to put this. There's a good uh, interview with Gabriel Moon and uh, Fabio, Fabio Moon. Moon and Gabriel. Ba- oh yeah, I switched to, See? to the pronunciation. <laughs> Had the same problem I did. Where they talk about this, and they really this is before the book came out, so they really don't talk about this is like in depth what the book's about, but they do mention. No, sorry. Anyways, I'll find it here in a second. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Uh, so they talk about, like, what does this book mean? I mean, there's a lot of times they kind of wanted you to find your own meaning in it, but they said that uh, any day can be the most important day of your life. Any given day, something can happen that will change your life. Any given day, you can meet someone in your life and it will be the same. This is your life one day at a time. Make it count. So this book basically, like... Even though at the end they find out he has brain cancer and maybe that's somehow related. I took it as, and I, I think we talked about it beforehand, you guys took it as too. Like, it's just showing you like every day you could die. 
And that's right. he's obsessed with deaths because he's an obituary writer. And he sees people dying every day. He sees people dying in different ways every day. He's obsessed with it. So he, every day, there's something that happens in his life where he tries to put himself out there. And he's like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And he decides to live his life. And that's when he dies. Right. And it's kind of, I think the overall message is like what they just said, like every day you have to choose to live your life. Don't worry about if you're going to die or not. Like he did die in those situations. Right. But it was out of his control. There's never a time where like he was like uh, choosing to die. Like he was trying to live his life. And so you really have to take those chances and make sh- and not be held back by the thought of death, by the fear of death. And you have to live your life. What does his wife say? His gra- His dad's wife tells him one day. Uh, why he sh- why she likes them, or no? What you should do? Do you remember mother? that? Yeah, his, his, Aurora, <laughs> his dad's wife. His mother tells his father something. If you guys don't remember, I'll look it up here. I, like, I, don't, I guess I don't remember that. What do you? Um, I don't remember either. It's in the last issue here. What was the uh, first issue? Who would he be? He meet. Who would he meet? Yeah. What's the first so, story? The first issue. Well, you see, uh, so he's thirty two. He's thirty two, and it's his his dad has a, a big. Gala. Gala going on, yeah. right? In his honor. In his, in his dad's honor? In, in no, his dad's honor. Yeah. On his birthday. Bernadette, yeah, okay. On Bra- Braz's uh, uh, birthday. That's right, okay. Birthday, and there's a gala going on for the dad. Right. And so Braz is like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. In the end, he does decide, I do need to go. He gets a call from his mom going, it's, you know, it's your dad's thing. Yes, I'm aware of that, mom. I know that this is going on. Um, but it's my birthday. You know? well, he doesn't say that. No, I know, thing. but it's it, like, it, it, in his head, it's like, it's my birthday. Though. Like, how pissed my, would you be um, if you I'm sharing birthday. my birthday with something else. Right. And it's, it's, and my dad hasn't taken the opportunity to say happy birthday. doesn't give a shit that I'm doing this, that right. I'm al- alive. And so he does decide to go to this gala. But before he goes into the gala, he goes into a bar. And he talks to the barkeep. And he goes, oh, are you, uh, G- I think it was Gino? It was Jaron or something. Jaron's. Or, I don't know how you say uh, it. Anyway, so the barkeep goes, no, that's my father. I'm I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. G-Ho, were, like his son. Yeah, I'm the son. I'm, I'm his son. Why don't you change the name of the bar? Because it's my dad's bar. It will always be my dad's bar. And so, you know, you don't choose your family. So in, in in this instance in the bar, the uh, the uh, the nephew shows up, has a gun waving around, and the barkeep says, "What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" My mom, you know, my mom never cared about me, and this is the nephew saying, "You know, my mom never cared about me. Doesn't care what I'm doing." And the nephew shoots the uncle, shoots the owner, the barkeep. Yeah. And blood is all over Brass, and he gets shot. You well, know. yeah, he asks him first, why would you shoot your uncle? And then the guy says, you don't choose your family, and shoots him. And I think in that moment, what before, because he says, like you said, he goes, uh, if I change the name, it would still be his bar, and I'd still be his son. And he's like, we're all somebody's son, right? And then he, that moment happens where he, the guy breaks in and kills his uncle. And he says, why would you kill him? He's your uncle. And he goes, you don't get to choose family. I think in that moment, uh, Brayas uh, is kind of reflecting, being like, yeah, you don't get to choose your family. Like, you really should be there. He should be there for his father and be no. at that gala. No matter how mad he is, his dad didn't say happy birthday. But it's too late. He dies. Yep. So it's that moment of reflection. Like, this story really is 
uh, a moment of perspective for him being like, you're right. Like family does matter. And, uh, but it, you know, when he learned that lesson, it was too late and he died. So that's the first story. And, uh, Gary, what do you think? Did we ever, we, I don't think we ever showed our cars telling you that he would die over and over. So he dies in that first issue. And were you like confused or were you like, what's going on? Well, <clears throat> at that point in the story, you know, just cause you see a bang doesn't always mean that someone's dead. So it really takes you to get to issue two to figure out what's going on. But in that first issue, I was like, it's very ambiguous. It could have he could have been shot, hundred um, percent. And they did, but obviously they did the obituary right after, so you assume he's dead. Well, it even opens with uh, brass being covered in blood, right? So you're already going, oh, what's what's going to happen? But you don't know he's still alive. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, I mean, you see bang, and then you see his little because at the end of each issue, there's a little obit, and so then I I was like, okay, well, clearly he died. Um, but what was really great about like the imagery in that instance, it was not like showing me how he died. It was more, I think with the obit, how that makes it more powerful and why like Barras is like, so like in to like writing obituaries, it's like he can make an obituary or this is his own, but I mean, you can make that moment for somebody finding about their loved one dying like, a little more graceful and, um, a little more impactful so that you remember them on who they were, not like the person being killed. Yeah. So, so it's remembering their life and what, right. what led them to death. But so when it happened for the first time, I was like, holy crap, first issue. Like, um, but instantly when the obit happened, I'm like, okay, I know this guy's the main character. There's no way that he's not going to be obviously in the rest of this book. But at that instant, I thought maybe his life ends at 32 because the next issue is 21, I believe. And yeah, so, it goes back. That's the thing, yeah. too, about this book. It's not linear. It'll flash throughout his life, so you don't get to see. It's not like he he does die and get older. Right. So you, But you don't see that next. You don't right. see 32 and then 33, 34. You see 32 and 21. Right. And then there's part where he's a kid. So like it jumps all over the place. So the next one, yeah, you're right. But I think it's good because like it makes you assume that... 32 is the end of the story and there's so much more story to tell and so i don't know until issue three probably that when the age goes beyond 31 i believe i think and usually in every issue you see him uh either happy or upset with the choice he made yeah and uh then it flashes back to like that choice and so we see in the second chapter he uh goes to salvador um and he meets this girl and it's kind of like a one night thing where they meet each other. They decide to go to this festival for the. Um, do you remember what it was? Water God. It's I have Eileen Ha or something. Yeah, it's I, the, like I C H. Right, she's the. Oh, I don't know what her. La Mija's day. So you go out. You put something. She's in a the, water goddess. You put by the way. yeah. You put water in the water. Uh, a little basket in the water. You wish for something. She gives you a wish. <laughs> so he goes and meets her. Um, because he goes and swims out in the ocean, he comes back, comes up, and he's by her boat, so he gets in her boat. They talk, and he, on a whim, not even thinking about it, was like, hey, do you want to go to the market with us? And they go to the market, and they talk about for a while. And there's a moment, actually, that, and you kind of kind of see where Bryce's head is, is that he goes, so what do you do for a job? What's your job? And she kind of gets taken back, right? She goes, what is that going to tell you about me? And he goes, well, you should have a job, right? You have a job? You don't, he goes, you don't have a job? She goes, I have a job, but like, that doesn't tell you anything about me. Look around this market. Do you think that tells you what that guy is about? Like, you see, he's working in this marketplace. And I think really in that moment, you see he's so obsessed with 
having a label and he wants to be a writer. Definitions for people. Yeah, he wants definitions for people. And she kind of teaches them, like, look at your friend. He's living in the moment, taking these pictures. It's more about what you like to do rather than what you do for work. And uh, it's that moment for him where he realizes being like, it's kind of like his muse in a way. He's like, because they talk about muse throughout this book, a bunch of like uh, the artist, his, his dad had a bunch of muses hmm. where she kind of like changes his perspective in a way being like, you're right. It's not about me trying to find work as a writer. It's me wanting to be a writer for the love of it, not writing because it's my job, which I mean, it is his job, but like that writing he likes, he doesn't like doing that. He wants to write uh, stories. Um, and then he's like, okay, well, she says, meet me tonight for the uh, festival. They go and meet, and uh, they she makes a little basket, and she makes a wish. And he goes, what did you wish for? And I think she says, I can't tell you or something like that. Yep. Um, and then uh, does he, he swim goes on, out? He goes out on the boat with the yeah, fishermen. He goes the out fishermen the boat take all these baskets out to give to the goddess of the water. And so he's out on the boat. And they're giving out the baskets. Baskets are floating. I think most of them have either a candle or have flowers or fruit. So it's it's a, an offering for her to accept. And that one actually is more ambiguous than the first one. You even see, you just cuts back to the water and you see the basket that she made. The dolls float back to the beach and it says that he drowned out there. And then, Well, the part I thought was cool is the guy in the boat like is with Raz, but you see him undo the knot between him oh, yeah, and yeah. the girl. And so I think that's kind of like he he's freed out of this thing about this entanglement, but it costs him. He kind of tells, yeah, the, he says, you are not one, not like this, you are two. And he takes it apart and he puts him on the ocean. And then next thing you know, he, Bryce is not in the boat anymore. And it's like, yeah, he drowned. So you're right. At that moment, he was like, it's not right for you to get together with her right now kind of telling her telling them because in the next story you see that they get together and uh they're breaking up right after seven years yeah it didn't work out and he's having a moment of regret right the whole issue is him regretting the relationship uh his friend jorge tries to bring him out to like hey we'll find somebody else don't worry about it like don't try to like force it like go out there just have fun if something happens it happens yeah nothing really has to happen tonight he says um, but I think that issue really, the next issue really is about telling yourself you can be happy again, right? He sees that girl at the market at the end and he says, I feel happy for the first time again. You know, he's with somebody for seven years and he sees that girl and he says, he finally, you know, we talked about in the non-spoiler review about this book, not only being sad, it's also hopeful yeah. in that moment. He thinks like, he's like, why am I? He's like, there's no point. It's over. Like I was together for seven years. I can be together with somebody else ever again. He sees that girl in the market. He thinks she's cute. He's walking away from the market being like, that's going to be the woman I spend the rest of my life with. So he turns around to run back to the market. He makes that decision be like, no, you're not going to give up. You are going to put yourself out there and then try. And uh, he gets ran over by a delivery truck. Um, but still, like, I I think what it's trying to say over and over again, when you listen to this, you probably think, oh, that's stupid. He got killed again. But that's not what it's about. It's about like, it doesn't matter whether or not you're going to die today. You still got to put yourself out there and do what right. you're going to do. Live your life. Well, it's showing that for as much as he liked the first girl that he was with for seven years and he is so heartbroken. And so there's just not that there's nothing to live for, but he's he's never going to love again. He sees this girl and it's just this. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Yeah, maybe nothing happens, but I need to at least say Try. I tried. Yeah. 
And the unfortunateness is he does get hit by a car or he gets hit by the um, delivery truck. And it's not, it's no one's fault. It's he is so blinded by, I, I want to go see this girl. I don't want to miss this opportunity. He doesn't look and he gets hit. And I think um, those moments when he thinks about the breakup, like everything is reminding him of it. It's very, I mean, it's hard to read. It's like very like him regretting like everything he's done with the choices he made <laughs> and like that whole fight. And he even says like, we said some bad things to the last thing I remember is her. You're a piece of shit. Telling him you're a piece of shit. He goes, that's the last thing I remember her saying. It's not probably not the last thing she said, but that's the last thing because it sticks and it really hurts because I know it's true. And she said, and they show you, that she does say more stuff before she leaves, but that was the thing that really he was like, that's the last thing she told me. And that's going to be the last thing I remember about her is that she told me I'm a piece of shit. Um, and it really does, I think in that moment, like we talked about perspective for like relationships, uh, you know, even though, I mean, they're together for seven years, but like we talk about the beginning was about family. And then this is just about somebody who we made to decide, be like, I want you to be part of my life. That stuff still hurts. I mean, it's not going to be like your dad passing away, but it's still for him. Like everything reminded him of her. He couldn't go to that apartment. He wanted to get out of the apartment. He had a six month lease still. And when he got out of the apartment, he got a new apartment. He couldn't be in the new apartment because it felt so lonely. He couldn't be in there. It didn't feel like home. And when he sees that girl, I think the hope is, is that there's a familiar thing about it because he's like, I feel like there's another shot. Like it's not all about making a mistake and regretting for the rest of your life. Sometimes like you, I think you said, Alex, sometimes it is about taking a second shot and no matter whether or not I'm going to make the basket or not, it's the attempt. And this, by the way, speaking of the art, uh, this uh, two pages when they're in the uh, market yes. and they're just staring at each other back and forth. There's a lot of silent panels where they're just looking at each other. He's in line. He's looking at her. And then they're like, hey, sir, it's, uh, I don't know, what the, this is a different currency. Um, right. It's like 435. And he's like, what? But like, you can see like him moving the up the line. Yeah, yeah. He's just staring at her. And the, staring the, at him. That top picture earlier in the non-spoiler review, we talked about just how much detail is in this book, but it's not overdone where I don't yeah. believe this is real. That's what I mean. Look at this store. Like there's a lot of stuff where, I mean, there's, it's not like really drawn in where you're like specifically know what this, this says. But there's bread, there's cans, and it does look like a store. Like uh, it looks like a convenience store. He came there to get something, pick up something real quick. Sees this girl, and it just it looks. And even this the the second page you're looking at here, there's things hanging up. There's things in the store. The store actually feels real. There's not just things stationary. There's other things sitting around the store on the wall on the ceiling. And then in the next couple panels, when he's out on the market. Even though there is narration, you can see him just in his face. There's a part where he kind of looks up. You can see he's thinking. And the next couple of pages, he starts to smile. And I think it's the first time he smiled in this whole issue. And then he smiles, stops. And you see him turn around. And you're like, and you know, like, oh, he's going back before he even says it. So uh, that was that issue. I thought that issue was great. I know. Yeah. Like, in terms of uh, connecting with it, not really for me, but still. Very powerful, I thought. The, the age I am now, 28, married, have a daughter, that one is, it's it's past my time. But, I mean, if I was single, right. this would be one of those things that I've, I've been heartbroken <laughs> multiple times. And you go, God, I just, I, I, I loved that girl. I liked that girl. She was so beautiful. There's no one else who's ever going to be as good. And then you find someone. And it's just some random woman you found. You're like, I, I, I don't want to miss not talking to her. 
And this is probably the issue for me that like I first started connecting on like, you know, because I've been through like a, like a really hard breakup, like a couple in the past. And, um, like that's, that's the kind of cool thing. Like on my perspective, like right now, it's like, you know, you do kind of feel that way, but then you're right. There's those little tiny moments where you're like out in the world and you're like, just the smallest connection ever could be, you know, could create the greatest thing you ne- you just don't know. So that's, um, that's what's exciting about it is, you know, you get this rush, like, Hey, it, there are other chances. Like there's not just this one and like you, you can get what you want. You can go for it. And yes, he does die. But, you know, I think what this, what these issues do is, you know, like you can start noticing the trend with this issue, I think is, um, the things that he's, he wants to do like these great things that he's trying to accomplish like the next issue lets him do that basically and then shows what the results are like with the girl from Elsa. like you know at first he was like whoa i get to be with this goddess and then you see seven years later oh i'm miserable yeah um and so on and so forth so i think you know at this point you're starting to notice trends and notice that uh yeah i mean it, it really connected me on a really big level and just makes you think like hey it's it can't be you can't revolve everything around one person. You know, there's there's way more fish in the sea. But also, like, he gets over that fear of making a... Like, he dedicated seven years to that one girl, and I think the fear is that he's going to waste more time. They talk right. about also, like, he, she's like, uh, uh, thank you for wasting seven years of my life. And he's like, you, you could have wasted it on your own. Like he's, he, they're fighting. And uh, they talk about wasting time. Whereas, I think at the end of this, he realizes it's not a waste of time. Like, that made him who he is today. And he can move on and try again. And if he's with somebody else for two months, one day, three weeks, like it's still not a waste of time. You're still developing as a person. And he so just growing, has to make that yeah. chance. Um, and like you said, it's not, it's not about him dying each issue. And I think uh, you can get hung up on that, but it really is him deciding to live every issue. Right. And well, and, and that's what I was say. The trend of the book, and it, at least from issue two to three to four, it's yes, you see him die at the end of the issue. But what that decision was prior in the issue before actually leads on to the next yeah, book. It's basically telling you that's coming for you anyways. So yeah. might as well live your life. It doesn't matter that it happens on the day he decided that he's over his breakup. It could have happened three days into a relationship. It doesn't matter. Like You have to choose to live your life and not worry about like, hey, I'm going to die today. Because otherwise you're paralyzed by that fear. Just like he's paralyzed by making a mistake. Yep. Uh, the next issue is that he actually, they show you, like you said, he gets with that girl. And uh, they have a, they're having a kid. It's actually the day that she's giving birth. <laughs> Alex, how much does this one hit you? You just really see it happen. You know, the it, this was one that it was more um, hit home, but the end of this issue isn't quite as uh, hard hitting. Eventually, this one will be probably one of the hardest issues for me. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think we also have our fathers, but that day's gonna come. And and I was reading this too. You that happens a lot in this. Like his dad dies, and you kind of think about that being like, day's coming. Like uh. I don't like my parents, their fathers aren't alive still. And so like the day comes and like, uh, but I mean like the same thing about like, you're not being paralyzed by your own fear. You can't be paralyzed by being worried that other people are going to die too. Like it's going to happen. You just have to be able to, uh, live your life and decide being like, I mean, it happens and you have to deal with it when it comes. But anyways, we'll good. So they're having a kid at the hospital and, uh, his mom tries to call him like once they leave, She's like, let, let it go to a voicemail. We got to get to the hospital. And it's his mom saying, hey, your dad's fallen ill. We're going to the hospital. 
And when he's at the hospital, he needs to get a cigarette break. So he goes, hey, my cell phone's dying. I'm going to go find a phone. And she goes, don't call your mother right now. Wait for a little bit. He goes, no, I'm going to call the doctor. Let him know we're here. And uh, they must have a special doctor or something. I'm not sure how it works in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> he goes downstairs to use the phone, and he sees his mom outside having a smoke. And he's like, what the heck? He goes out there. He goes, mom, I didn't even tell you we're uh, having a kid yet. How do you know? And she goes, uh, your father passed away. And he sits there, and he goes, uh, he's like shocked by it, but he doesn't want to tell his wife. His wife's going through labor, so he says, hey, my dad's sick. He's here also. He doesn't really tell her, and so they try to, And while she's having a kid, and she's like, okay, so she took um, some medication, right, and she's not having contractions anymore, but then they have the kid. And he goes to his father's funeral. And uh, as far as funeral, he finds out he has a half-sister. She comes to visit, and he's having a hard time with that also because he's like, it's knowing, it's like the day his dad dies, he knew that his dad fooled around. He, all those, he, had, those, he had all these muses, yep. right? They knew before he even got together with his mom that he wasn't a guy that was like attached to one lady for too long. But, and I, I don't even think that he like cheated on her. It's just that this is I think this is a prior, um, yeah, yeah. prior relationship. Um, but still, on the day of his dad's death, it's hard for him to swallow that pill and be like, yeah, he did not, he wasn't always with my mom and now she's coming here to like, and he feels like she's trying to somehow benefit from it, because he even asks, he goes, "What's your favorite book by him?" And she goes, "I haven't read any of them. Like I didn't. Like I'm not here as a fan. I'm here as his daughter." But it, it would make sense though that maybe the father did step out, because I think she's younger than, yeah, than he is. Oh really? I thought he was. She was older because later on in the issue, she actually has an older sister. So I thought, oh, maybe, is that the same sister then? I assumed it was like I thought because I, I thought they're both had the same a, issue. No, are they okay? Because yeah. I say I think he has issues. a sister from his mom and dad. Oh, okay, so maybe she is younger. And so I think I think dad did step out, and that's why he's struggling so hard. Is going with that yeah, dad, you're right. dad that wasn't faithful, sense. and right. that that offends him being a son. Going, your job was to love mom, and so now I'm pissed at you that I have this half sister when she really should just be my sister. Um, and then she's telling a story about. Uh, Bray asked his mom's telling a story about her husband, how he always worked in the study. She always kept him alone because she didn't really, like, he liked to work alone and he was always writing, writing, writing all these notebooks and stuff like that. So that's what happened. And she found him in the study that she left him alone for a while. And that's how she found him. I think the thing that really says is she tells you how she found him dead is that she, that he locks the side door to his study. So she actually had to go the long way around. She goes, if I could have gotten in, things may have been different. Yeah. And so knowing that, there's something she may have been able to do. I think is hard is knowing that there's always there's always a way out. There's always another option, <coughs> but that's just how how it went for her. Is that she right. saw th- and it sounded his study is amazing. When you see it later in this issue, it's all of these windows. It's a lot of natural light coming in, and she gets to see this through so glass. His wife says, "Hey, can you go home and get Amelia?" Right, and he goes home and gets his doll. That doll is from that kind of second story, isn't it? Where he, she put in the thing. That the other girl put in the thing. I kind of got that the like when he's like, "Oh, this is not your time," and he unhooked them all and threw it in there. And this is not maybe not the same doll, but like in uh, like metaphorically, yeah, it is. But he takes the doll out. Um, oh, you're right. He takes the music box, but it, it, the doll looks the same as the second issue. Well, I, th- I, I, I think I didn't notice that. I, I, I thought it was like a ballerina. Yeah. I think maybe just metaphorically. 
Fabio and Gabriel are supposed to be like, see, this is who he's supposed to be with. Yeah. Like, and, so that, and that's the thing is that the, the doll from the first one is just like a actual um, cloth made yeah. doll this where this is, is a, a music box. quote unquote ballerina doll similar. in. Yeah. And he gets back to the hospital and his mom's crying outside and he goes, mom. And she, he goes, it's a boy. So he had a kid while he was gone getting this thing. And so when he gets there, he, his mom says, hey, we, that nightgown we used to have for you when you were small. Uh, can you go home again? He goes, I just left. My kid was born. I'm not going to leave again. And she goes, your dad really wanted your son to have it. Can you go get it? So he leaves to go get it. And that's when he goes, yeah, to his parents' house, goes to the study and sees everything and sees all his stuff. He sees the, uh, his book, his book on his dad's table. Um, you can obviously see that he was about to read it. Right. And, and then he finds the little mess where his dad's heart stopped beating. And for Brea, says too much. And he also has a heart attack in his dad's study. And uh, he dies in the same place, the same way that his dad did. And that's how that issue ends. But, I mean, all these things that he was afraid of, right? Having a kid. And that went okay. He's af- afraid of his dad's death. Like, it's this issue is more one of the depressing ones. But still, I mean, in a way, like, all these things happen. He uh, didn't want to face the man that his father actually was. But it turns out, like, that's not really that big of a deal. Uh, he, he was still his dad. He becomes a dad. So he sees in a way like he kind of gains perspective there for a second. And then he goes back to his dad's study. He sees his dad has his book at his table. And in that moment, he because his dad, if you find out throughout these issues, wasn't really there for him most of the time. Uh, it was in the study. They talk about how he always was in the study. Never really had time for him. And when he sees his book, I think in that way, it's him being like, Oh, this is my way out. This is the way I was going to connect with my father. Like he was going to read my writing and be like, and on a writer to writer basis, they're going to know that they're going to finally be connected. Yeah. And uh, I think that's when it's too much for him, and that's when he dies. Um, I like I said prior to us talking about this specific issue, um, I still have my dad. That I heartfelt in the beginning, his wife being pregnant, going to have a baby. Um, I can guarantee in the next however long my dad is around. The next time I read this book, if he has passed, I will, I will have to stop and tear. Well, even that last issue when is when they're both like dead in a way. Are they dead? Yeah, they're both dead. Um, his dad's there, and the same thing too. I think maybe also like because then that's another that's the third stage, right? Because you have you know reading this and you're looking up to your father, and then you have a kid and you look down to your kid, and then when your father passes away, I think you go back to being like reflecting on how your father. Uh, and how you were his son, yep. um, but yeah, you're right. So, and I think that and that like you're right. This issue is really going to hit harder than yep. than it is right now. But uh, the next issue actually is kind of like a flashback. Right, he's a kid. How old is he? Is he say? I think he's eight. Eleven. Eight years old. Is he eleven? Okay. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So this issue is you know what we were talking about is that wasn't always there. They this dad this issue is kind of from his dad's perspective. Uh, he talks about how. When they went to this family farm, right? All the kids could run around. He didn't have to worry about them. His wife worried about them, but he really didn't worry about them. He just was out there to write. So there's even moments when Brayas goes up to his dad to like kind of talk to him. And he's like, uh, can't you see I'm writing? Like, go away, son. And he's just trying to like talk to his dad. He Because they have to go uh, shit in the woods, he says. He goes, dad, how come we have to go shit in the woods? <laughs> and he goes, can't you see I'm writing? He goes, there's nothing on the page. And he talks about the reason why I had to go shit in the woods is that we have a well 
and we can't be contaminating water, we need to preserve the water. He goes, that's kind of what this page is. I'm not writing stuff down because I need to make sure I'm conserving the words. And uh, so much afterwards I can write without wasting too much water, he says. And uh, his son goes away. And you can kind of see throughout this issue, right, his, uh, his dad's not really, like, I don't think his dad really hangs out with him in this whole thing. His, his Like you said, his dad, this is a, almost a, a way out for dad just to be on his own. Because that yeah. tree is his dad's tree that and, he sits and yeah. writes under. And uh, he has his first kiss, another tree. And then um, his, cousin, his dad right? names the tree after Aurora, though. Like, his mother, his, his muse. Actually his wife, yeah. Yeah. His, yeah. And then they go back to the uh, their houses, right? And it goes back to like, so his dad really didn't watch him when they were at the farm. And then they go back home and he's playing with that kite and he goes out to play with the kite by himself. And the kite gets caught in some electrical wires and uh, he dies then. He dies at the age of 11. Um, going out the way he came, uh, he came out, he came in with the light, he goes out with the light. And this issue, I think, is more just kind of set up their relationship together. I don't think there's really like a message here. It's more being like, like, this is kind of the relationship he had with his dad. Like his dad was never around. He didn't know how to connect with his dad. Like he would always, he didn't really understand writing really that much. And, uh, he kind of just wanted to be a kid, but his dad never wanted to be a father or like, at least in these issues, you don't see him be a father at all. Right. Uh, his mom was a really, uh, a mom in these issues. Like they like made them food was like, Hey guys, come on. Like he even says like she, she took care of them when we were out here. Um, what do you guys think of this issue? I like, this is kind of like, a in between issue like i said not really like one of those where there's a message but just like hey here's background obviously before the last page if you're looking for your happy story in this um the happiest part of this book i think is during this issue you're finding the innocent uh bros like purest form of innocence just being a kid exploring the world like you can just see in his face like he's in awe of everything and unfortunately like his dad's committed to the written word um, where his like uncles and his cousins and they're all like adventurers and trying to do new things. And he's in awe of it. And then he goes to share that experience with his dad. His dad's like, son, I'm trying to write. I'm trying to like put all everything that I have into writing, which obviously it's going to pay off later, which we'll find out in the story. But I think seeing him so full of life and not having anything, any kind of holdups, like he's, He's just focused on having fun. And that's like what it is when you're in your, uh, when you're a youth, you know, you want fun, no consequences. You just want to see the world for what it is, what you think it is. And you don't realize how deep and how heavy the world can be. And this, I just think that this is a great picture of innocence and just having fun and enjoying life to the fullest. Well, I think that's the big thing for it is that you said innocence is probably the main word for me there is that, I don't know if uh, he even knows about the electrical wire. I mean, I don't understand. He gets stuck. His kite is stuck. I have to get it out. I don't think he realizes what the outcome would be, him touching it, him being on the ground and touching it, and that it will obliter- kill him. Right. It's just, I need to get my kite. And so that's it's. Uh, I think for me, it's not as much of a, a connective story as a kid. My my dad told me, and I wasn't much of a kite uh, kite flyer, but I was told don't touch the wires. You see a wire, you leave it alone. I've been I've been shocked enough times through electricity. I ain't gonna do it. But he, this kid is just he wants to have fun. He wants to be this kid. 
And his dad kind of, kind of sucks it out of him. Right. And so you, it's almost rebelling against dad. I'm going to go have fun. And out on the farm, you don't worry about the electrical wires. You're lucky you get water. In town, in the city, it's a, it's a yeah. different deal. And I think also maybe uh, it's a moment for his dad to reflect because later on we do see his dad's kind of uh, view on things are different because he does say you got to live life every day like it is your last day. And those issues, he's kind of just like sitting there trying to write while his son is really like living life. So maybe he's that's... missing it. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason why like that issue is really for to show like his dad wasn't always that kind of way like he was kind of we'll see later Bryas turns into that kind of guy who's like always like somber trying to write and he, he work, sees work, his dad work. as that way so that's why he tries to be that way but uh later on he'll find something from his dad where it shows him he doesn't have to be that way anymore uh the next issue he uh there's this plane that uh crashes you can see at the beginning of the issue like not everybody's getting on <laughs> and um, then he cuts to Breas is looking for Jorge. He's like, hey, anybody see Jorge? He came back from his trip, and then they figure out that that plane crashed. By the way, the color on these pages, even though it's something horrible happened, so it's pretty great. Uh, was, this issue was actually probably one of the best story writing. Yeah. just I, I read it, and it starts off with a, a trucker drinking in the bar. Yeah. And then it jumps to people at an airport being told, you can't get on this plane, you can't get on this plane. And then it goes back to, what, like a month earlier, three weeks earlier, and then you find out this plane has crashed. Yeah. Um, by the way, also, that trucker who's drinking has been up for two days straight, and he's like, yeah, I'm drinking this to keep myself awake. I don't know if that, how that works, but I guess he's trying. Well, beer starts off as a stimulant, so he's thinking it's going to keep him awake. Eventually, it becomes a depressant, makes you tired. Um, Laid some science on you. So, all these people die in the airplane crash, and they tell him, hey, go out there and write everybody's obit. And he's writing these, and he's getting a lot of praise. And finally, his uh, girlfriend at the time, that same girl he saw in the grocery store, it was like, everybody's loving your obits. And she's like, it's fake, though. Like, these are all for Jorge, because he never came back. And so I'm writing his obit every time I'm writing somebody else's obit. And um, they said, uh, she goes, people, people need this. They need closure. And finally, uh, after a month, he gets a call from Jorge. And Jorge tells him, hey, he goes, hey, man, I was supposed to be on that plane. But they kicked us off because, I mean, they took us off because there's too many people. And I decided to stay behind. And then the plane crashed. And I decided, like, that's Jorge's moment when he saw he could have died. And he's like, I can't live my life just doing that job. I have nothing in, in my life is extraordinary uh, back there. Nothing in life really matters. He goes, life's too short, man. I've been wasting time. I can't go back to that life. And he decides he's going to stay. Um, I don't know if it says where he is. The Rio right? de Janeiro? Yeah, it's, and he's in Rio. And Braz is like, no, like he decides, no, I'm going to go get him. Like he can't just stay there. And he goes on the highway to go there. Then we see he pulls up next to the trucker, or he pulls behind the trucker that we saw at the beginning and uh, falls asleep at the wheel, hits the truck next to him. And the last thing we see is Braz's car is like right behind him. Uh, and they're about to crash, so he gets he dies that way. But I think this issue really is about friendship and not giving up. Like he even talks about like if friendship is really worth it, you'll do anything <laughs> for it. And even though everybody's like, dude, he's gone in a month, he's dead. He never gave up hope. And when even when Jorge's like, man, just leave me alone. Like I just want to live life down here. I'd live your life. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down here. Don't come get me. And he's like, I'm gonna come get him. And even though he dies, like he's willing to be like, no man, like. 
I know you're scared right now because you almost died, but like, uh, come back. Like your life is here. Your life is here. Um, you can tell at the beginning of this issue too, there was like a huge amount of foreshadowing by looking back. Um, Jorge, you know, like they were giving out deals. Like people were like, Hey, if you don't get on the flight, you get a, a better deal. You get a better discount. And obviously Jorge took the bait on that. So I think Jorge feels guilt included in that. Like not only for the fact that, Hey, like he didn't die, but he survived to get a deal, <clears> to get a break. And uh, so when Briss is driving down there, he says, Jorge was his best friend, and that's what friends do. They care. They find each other. They stick around when things get rough. Friends are worth every effort. Friends matter. Um, and then before that, he says, it didn't matter if he was still in Rio. It didn't matter. All that mattered was he had the information. All he mattered was he had the information Bray needed to go after him. So he's going to, that's, you know. He just, I mean, for him, it was worth it. I mean, everybody told him, like, even his girlfriend, or boy, I'm not for sure where she is right then, but she even told him, was like, why are you going to go for Like, don't, and he goes. Uh, we kind of see him do that again later on in another issue. That's a little different situation. But in this one, uh, no, actually, it's it's the it's the story after this, but he dies here. You know how we see sometimes that the next issue is about the story after it. Uh, is that this one here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Okay. So the next issue we see, um, he's actually been looking for Jorge because when he got to Rio, he wasn't there. And he gets his postcard. The postcard is uh, from, where does it say where it's from? Sao Paulo. Yeah. So he goes down there to find his friend. And that's when his wife tells him, hey, man, he gave up on you. Like, he never came back and you went to go find him and he's never been anywhere you've looked for him. Like, just give up on him. And he's like, I can't. It's Jorge. And he gets that postcard. He's like, really, you're going to go because he's sending you a postcard? He's because he's reaching out to me. And the postcard says, I can't do it without you. And he's like, I got to go find him. So he gets down there and he finds this lady who's like, well, oh, yeah, he used to live in the hotel. But then he ran out of money and he wouldn't work for the hotel. He wouldn't do, gets it going back to that thing again. He didn't want to waste his life anymore. And uh, he didn't want to work for uh, like a boring job anymore. <laughs> and so he'd rather go homeless and hungry, which he actually does. And he lives in like this hut. She go and she goes. He used to live here, but he did, like he left. And only left is his postcard, so I sent it to you. And so Breas is looking for him, and he goes. Um, he talks to her, and she goes. I think he might be. I walked some going down to sand dunes. Go down there. He goes down there. He sees like this makeshift hut, and he finds him in there. And he's all disheveled. He's all like crazed looking and hungry, and. uh he talks about, he's like, man, I tried to write you all these times. And we see all these postcards on the ground. Did you get the impression that he just never sent them? Or did they come back? I assumed he never sent them. Yeah, he I wrote and so wrote too. and wrote. And, and he just never original. had a way to send them out. The only reason they got sent out last time oh, she is that it. she found yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So he never had money to send them out. Yeah. Okay. So there's all these postcards. And he's like, man, I tried to contact you. Do you have my postcards? And you see Bray's kind of look at the ground and then they show the postcards. And he goes, yeah, man, I got every single one of them. And... Uh, he goes, time to go back. And he goes, time. Too late for that today. The storm's coming. And uh, he goes, hey, man, I read your book. It's great. I always knew you had it in you. And then he pulls out a knife and cuts his own wrists. And then he goes after Breas. And you're thinking, being like, man, these guys are friends. Like, why is he trying to kill him? And it, you know what the strongest moment, I think, of this issue is? He's killing him. They're showing him. They're after him and killing him, stabbing him. Like, and, over and over it, it and over cuts over. to moments of them being friends. And it kind of reinforces them. Like, what's he doing? But then you kind of think about like that postcard. I can't do this without you. He can't die 
on his own. He can't be lonely when he dies. He doesn't want to be alone again when he dies. He's too scared. Like he really wants his best friend to be there while he dies. But he really wants his friend to die with him. And so he kills his friend, then kills himself, commits suicide. Uh, this issue, going off the last one too, when you see how much horror, not horror, Reyes likes, like is friends with, with uh, Jorge. He does all this stuff for him. And then Jorge is so, um, I don't what you say, scared. Uh, die. Like he really has accepted death. Like he's really at that point where he's not living life anymore. He's done with life. And, but he's too afraid to do it by himself. Yeah. And I think it's that fear. The whole thing talks about the fear of death. And it's at that point where he's afraid to do it. And Brace has always been that friend in his life that gave him the courage to do things. And then for this one, here's like, man, I can't kill myself without you. Basically, it's what he told him on the postcard. <laughs> I can't do this without you. And uh, But he didn't know he was going to do I it. think it's almost the other way around is that in the past, Brace is actually the one who is scared to do things. He's the one that followed Jorge doing things. Jorge was the man who was living life. And Brace followed him. Let's go. Let's go to the cliffs. Let's do this. This is the time where you get to see Jorge is actually the one struggling. I, who needs the assistance? I got the impression, and I don't know, may I just read too much into it. That yeah, Jorge always was the guy that had more courage, but I think he always had more courage because he wasn't alone. Yep. Like, he was with Breas, who and, like fed him, and then yeah, he was kind of that guy. Being, the confidence. Like, yeah, he was kind of like I'd be like, man, I got somebody with me. We can do like I'll do this if I have somebody with me. Yep. And when he left, he finally found out that. He really does. He can't be lonely. Like he really does need somebody. And uh, Braze was that his friend that was like that person in his life that he really did need to continue living. Like when he talks about like, man, there's nothing back there for me. It's nothing's extraordinary. I can't go back there. I need to live life. He didn't realize that he was leaving behind uh, a crucial part of his life, his friendship with uh, Braze. And uh, that's why he's like searching for him. But the postcards but he could send him out. I thought this issue was really great in a different way, kind of, because it's more about friendship, this last two issues. And then when he kills them, it's kind of like, you want to feel mad, I think. And I was kind of angry. Yeah, yeah. But you also, like, feel pity in a way, being like, I mean, the man is, like, done with his life. And in a way, though, like, if you're really that desperate, and I guess in a way, it's kind of poetic being like, I want my friend to be here, too. Right. But it is kind of also kind of selfish but, to me. I'm going to kill him too. <laughs> but you take away his so I go back and forth on it. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I, I'm getting from I, I was flashbacking through all the issues. This book is a lot of love, love in a weird way, or so much love. Like in this, Jorge loves Breas, their friends, their best friends. And like you said, he's afraid to die. I think he. I, th- I mean, in all honesty, everyone's afraid to die is afraid of something. Jorge needs his friend. Yeah. And so whether or not you love your wife or you love your best friend or you love your dad, even though you hate your dad, you love your mom or your mom loves you. Love is weird. And love and hate doesn't take a lot of uh, a big change to have either one. Yeah. It's how you choose to live your life. And this book is, is, is an epitome of life and love. And yes, death is around every corner. And it's how much are you willing to live your life before death gets you. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when everybody else had like, he has his wife, he found somebody like everybody has somebody in their life. And for Jorge, it was his friendship. Like he really, 
I mean, you really don't see him. I mean, it's not really about him, but still, you don't really see him with anybody else throughout this whole thing. He really, like, Brace is his friend. There's even a flashback to when they're, like, kids in college. And those guys were, like, friends for a long time. The way that I, I read Jorge, and it's not uh, sound prudish, Jorge is a, as a, as a ladies' man. He yeah, is, I was going to say that. He, yeah. he is out to to find that next lady to bed and to add to his, his belt. The only real relationship he ever had in his life and, is yeah, with Brace. And, his, and his, yeah, he never talks about family. His family and his, honestly, the person that he loves is Brace. Yeah, and it's kind of, it delves into that fear of being alone, but also we've touched on it, dying alone and thinking back on your life, like, is this the results of all my decisions? I'm sitting here in a hut, dying all by myself. And then he sees his friend and he's like, no, I'm going to die with my friend. And that's why I, I agree, Marvin. It's very poetic, obviously disturbingly poetic, but in a way that like he's found peace because he's like, well, at least I'm not alone when I'm dying. I think that's that's where I was. I was like, realistically, this is very selfish for him to do. And it's very it makes me angry because uh, Breas is trying to do the right thing by his friend and he ends up paying for it in a way. Even though his wife tells him the time, don't go. Like, he gave up on you. But he really didn't give up on him. Like, the man's been trying, but he really didn't have a way to reach him. Uh, they never gave up on each other. The Jorge just made a mistake, and he didn't want to have to pay for that mistake anymore. So he's like, I need you to help me. And I think you're right. When he saw him, he was like, okay, now I finally can face this. Like, even what Alex was saying, he, in that moment, got the courage from Brace. Like, I can face this now. My friend's here. And say it's it's a different take on your friend having to be there if if you're in the hospital dying and you're in hospice and all you need is that one person that one love you've ever had so that you can say goodbye and you can get closure. This is this is Jorge's closure. I mean, the last thing he said to him was like, "I read your book, man. I knew you had it in you." Like he's telling him, "Congratulations," mm-hmm. and uh, and then like, "I'm sorry." And so it, it 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 is selfish on his part, but it's it's. <laughs> I think that just shows how much Jorge actually loved. Breas, that I need. I, I. It's not that I want you. It's I need you. You. This. You are my life. And talking about Moon and uh, Ba, uh, the uh, panels in between of him stabbing him, when it's like it cuts to like them talking on the beach and like it shows you moments of Breas. Yeah, Breas being uh, or Jorge being that person for Breas, being like, hey man, like he's helping him. Like they show them them. Like that breakup scene, show him talking to through the breakup scene, being like, uh, can you almost believe it's over? Uh, Brea says, he goes, and then Horace says, what are you talking about? Our trip, man. Next week we'll be back home on a job interview. He goes, forget that, dude. Try to live one life at a time. See what happens next. And then it cuts to him stabbing him. And then Jorge says, pretty exciting, don't you think? And then Brace says, you got all the answers, huh? And then Horace says, only for the good questions. Like, he's always been that guy for Brea, so like you said, been his rock. But it turns out, and, and that's, I think, what Jorge assumed. And, but when it got down to it, he found out, like, was like, no, uh, Brace was the, rock. was the person he needed. Yeah. Uh, last two issues here. Uh, I, I'm going to put disclaimer. Funny. There may be tears. <laughs> Floodgates can be open. Yeah. Uh, this issue, actually, uh, for me, was uh, really hard to read. Um, so the next issue we had, we cut to uh, Brace decided not to go after Jorge in this, in this choice. Uh, you could say, you know what this is almost like? 
You know, if we, we talk about Lost in a way, you know, when they did the uh, spoilers for Lost, I guess, where. Dude, I um, read this and I literally watched Lost videos like right afterwards because I don't know if something connected. Do you know the flash sideways, which are like different, like if they had never gone to the island? That's kind of what this is. Like if he had not done the situation and decided to make the other choice, what would have happened? And so he decides not to go after Jorge and stay with his family. And he has his kid grows up and he becomes a successful writer and he's always on a book tour. So it's really. Uh, his son and his wife living their life alone while he's on the book tour. And, but he writes her notes being like, I can't wait to come back. Like the only reason why I'm away for so long. So when I come back, you realize how much you love me. Uh, I, he writes her notes all the time. (laughs) I wake up and I fall in love with you every day. Like that day at the bakery and his son is so proud of his dad. Like he has his book. He goes, I don't understand. He, I didn't understand. He goes, I don't understand it, but I still have it so I can read it. And they're having a career day where where she talks to Breas on the phone. She's like, you got to come for that career day. And he goes, what am I going to do? And he goes, well, just read them something. You're good at that. And he goes, okay. And uh, these kids are like picking on and being like, oh, where's your dad? I forgot to pick you up. Because his dad usually picked them up. But during this time, she's picking them up, his mom. And uh, he tries to defend his dad. And he goes, and they're all like, oh, your dad's never around. Stuff like that. So I think a lot of this stuff for me at least hit hard because it's, you know, and I think Alex, I'm maybe not right now. I'm maybe you've been seeing it right now. So in this issue a lot, it comes back to um, Breus decides to live his dream, right? Be a writer, his job in a way you could say, or his dream, either one. It's very hard to when you decide to, like that kind of balance, right? Work life, but also like Breus is trying to be an individual, but also he's a father, right? Yeah, he's try he's also a husband. So in this whole story, he's gone. He's not there. And you can see the effect it has on his family. I think that's what this issue is about. Like your choices when you get to the stage are not about you anymore. Nope. They're about everybody else. And he sees how his son, even though he's not there, his son's always like walking through the study, being like looking at everything. And then even for the his grandpa being like thinking about being like looking up to his dad and be like, wow, my dad. And then when his kid, the kids pick on him and they're like, my dad lets me do this. My dad lets me do this. He goes, your dad doesn't let you. And then they tell him, your dad's never around. So how would you know like what he lets you do? And there's a scene where he's watching the Lion King. And uh, by the way, in the, the scene where freaking uh, Mufasa dies. Of course. <laughs> I know. I saw that. I like, and, and his mom goes, hey, time to go to bed. And he goes, if dad was here, he would let me watch this. And she goes, well, he's not here. And you can kind of see him be like, Oh, okay. And like, in a way, he's like, he's trying to be like, see, my dad would let me do this. And she's like, well, he's not here. Like, I'm here. And uh, I thought that moment in this book was like, you see his son try to finally like realize and put a perspective being like, yeah, my dad's not here. Like, my dad's not here. And that's kind of like, in a way, you know that song? By the way, I can't listen to this fucking song. <laughs> this song, uh, what's it called? Father and Son? Is it Father and Son? No, yeah. it's not Father and Son. Uh yeah, no, it's Fallen Son from Gardens of the Galaxy Two. Uh, was it Cat Denning? No, no, no. Uh, you thinking about um, Cat Stevens? Yeah, I don't think it's that song. No, it's a, a different song. Where, uh, Silver Spoon? You know where he oh, talks cats about cats in the cradle. Cats, cats cradle. That's what there it's called. <laughs> I say I was Fallen Son is the Cat Stevens one. There's right. two. I get those two mixed up. Okay. That's what happens. It's Cats Cradle where he talks about how his dad never had time for him. Right. And uh, when it grows up and his dad's a grandpa and or not or was older and finally has time 
to be with his son who he's like, well, then now he goes, I don't have time for you anymore. And then he doesn't, that guy doesn't have time for his son either. It happens here too. Like we see in that one issue, his father never had time for him was always writing. And then now, and he saw like, he must know how that feels, but then now he's older and he becomes a writer and he treated his son the same way, even though he felt the same way. And, uh, for him, it, I think it also shows, like you said, he finally lets perspective in a way being like, oh, I see what happened now. Like it wasn't before just being mad at his dad for not being there. Now he's like, oh, I, I see why. Like he tried to do, like try to be a writer and do his thing. It wasn't that why. Well, in a way he's, and I think that's where the notes come from him being like, I really want to be home because he realizes it was like, I really need to let them know when I'm not there that I want to be there. And his dad never did that part. Um, well, the one thing that, and it's when he's in school, when Miguel is in school, the son, um, Brayas is, is, is his hero. I mean, yeah. he lives and breathes for his father. I was going to say, even though he realizes dad's not there anymore, he never doesn't become his hero anymore. So he's he never still gives his hope hero. that he still has his dad. Yeah. And that this man is the most important thing. Even I think is even more important than mom, is the fact that dad isn't home and his heart has grown so fond for dad. All he wants is dad to be home. Yeah. Uh, well, that's kind of the message, too. Like, I I want that when I come back for them to miss me yep. so much, that to show that affection, that love. And you can tell that they do. They, he's gone so much that they definitely do love him. And they, all they want, you're right, is for him to be home. And, uh, man, you know, I... Uh, yeah, it's tough. All right, uh, here we go. This is this, uh, I, I, this is the moment when, at least for me, uh, I the rest of the book for me is like losing it. Uh, so the mom is going to pick up her son. What's his son's name? Gabriel. Miguel. Miguel. Going to pick up Miguel, and uh, she gets a phone call from Breas, but she drops her phone in the water, and loses her phone. Next day at work, she gets a phone call, and it's from the hospital. And she thinks it's Miguel. Miguel, what happened to Miguel? Because she's so not worried about Breas. Like, and not in a way that she doesn't care. A way that she's like, he's t- taking care of himself. I got to take care of He's an adult. He's an adult. And uh, she finds out that uh, Breas died. And you get cuts, cuts to her finding that out. And like I said before, like in this panel down here on the bottom right in this page, it doesn't tell you that he died. It just says, hello, it's just me. Something happened to my son. And then her look and then a look of shock, but also like looking really upset and then in the next page it's a picture of his abrasive top typewriter and then of their two chairs outside just silently looking at them empty and then it cuts to so when he was gone he wrote his son a letter being like hey i'll be back in a couple days don't worry about it and uh since his dad can't be at career day he reads the letter at career day it says why do you travel so much asked the little man when i'm away from home i remember how much i miss my family and once I finally return, they always remember how much they love me. And he goes, this is the last letter my father sent me. He was a writer. And that's when it cuts to what I was talking about earlier. It cuts to her in the car looking up at their house uh, with this face. And you could tell, like, uh, she's just not going to get out of that car. Like, she can't do it. And on her driver's seat is, like, all his last belongings he had when he was at the hospital. And then she listens to the voice while he left on the phone. Being like, I'd call every minute, just listen to your voice on that machine. He goes, hey, so I saw a couple walking on the street today with two kids and a little dog. 
it was like looking in the mirror. I'll be back in a couple of days and we'll take a walk and be mirrors of our happiness too. And she's like really sad on the couch. She looks over, but then she sees Miguel. And I think for her, she sees Miguel and she's like, at least I have a part of him still. And Miguel comes over, they give a hug and they have a dog. Right. That was the last thing that Breas wanted to do. <coughs> but I mean, it really is that issue of, uh, like we said before, even though he's not in this whole issue at all, uh, it is that issue of, and we'll see in the next issue with the letter that happens, that he finally learns that now his life isn't his own anymore, right? It's not about him. Like, it's going to affect, his death now affects people in a greater way than it did before. Even yeah. though before he, he had a mom and stuff like that, but still, now he has a son, he has a wife, and... Uh, There's people who are dependent on him. Uh, Yeah, so... <laughs> It's a really sad issue. By the way, because of that freaking geek kid just drawn look like my son. The, I cannot read that issue and not think of my son. The whole issue I read, it's it's the whole time it's it's heartthrob. It's heart hurt. I mean, my heart hurts reading that issue nine. Because I think that's what issue that was was nine. It is nine. And I I read it going, when when for me am I gonna find that breaking point? And I I I'm not gonna try to make Garrett tear up, but I would assume for you this is a consistent thing. Your dad yeah. doesn't live at home with you. That, that, that's what I connect with. Like, um, you know, a lot of my childhood uh, with my dad has a great career in the military, but that comes at a great sacrifice um, to be with you constantly. And so, yes, when your uh, yeah, shit, when your dad is gone, I mean, you love him so much. That it's hard when he's not there. I mean, he's your, uh, he's your rock. I mean, you talk about rock, you know, you look, you know, you love your mother, but your dad passes that knowledge on. And, you know, when, you know, when something bad happens to me, I, I think I need to call dad. Like he's no, he knows the answer. And, uh, you know, sometimes when he's not there, that's when you miss and love him most. And, you know, it definitely, uh, yeah, it does hit home. Um, but you know, that's the best part though, is the times I get with my dad and like, that makes me a better person. And when I do get to like, have be on my own in the world and whatnot, at least I have those love and that feelings and those things that I can do because he did get to teach those to me. So even though he can be gone, um, I know he'll always come back, um, and that he does love me and that he's, and he loves my brother and my whole family. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you definitely, you idolize them because when they're gone, you, you don't realize that the time you have with them while they're here, you got to really hold on to and make the best of it. Cause just kind of like this story, you might, that, that return might not ever happen. So, you know what? I was going to mention it, but you brought, you're uh, being pretty open. So I'll mention it too. My dad growing up as he has a job where he worked uh, overnights, uh, Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sunday was the only day he would be home. So growing up, I saw my dad like once a week and, uh, uh, same thing. Like you said, like, even though my mom was there most, like every single day, like you don't have a, uh, basically it seems like you don't have a dad. Right. right. And you see like that part where he talks to all the kids and the kids like, my dad does this. My dad does this. And you really do be like, well, I wonder what my dad would do in this situation. He's not here ever. So, like, I never know how he would react to this. So you're right. Like, even though he says, my dad would let me watch TV, I go, I don't know. I don't know if he, he might. I don't know how he would react. He wasn't there for this moment. And now with a kid, that's a constant fear is that 
when you like you want you want to be there as much as you can for your kid but also like you start to realize being like uh like when i'm working right and uh sometimes you have to work more than you're uh supposed to overtime or anything like that you start thinking being like oh, okay now i see like when my dad used to work all those hours I'm like i see now like i didn't want to be at work i don't want to be at work i'd rather be home and when you have and then also like, there's certain moments when you're like uh even if you want to like do something right uh to build like a different part of your relationship like a friend it does seem like you're being selfish in a way right Damn. you don't want to go hang out with somebody and you're like you feel like you want to be selfish because like that's like two hours you're not with your kid and it does bring you back to those moments being like well, I can be home. Like my dad didn't have a choice. He was at work. And then I, I read this issue. And it was like, even though that was his dream, like he followed his dreams to be a writer. And that's, if you see, that's a constant, uh, constant theme throughout this book is that that's his dream to be a writer. He doesn't want to be an obit writer. He wants to be, you know, a novel writer. And he finally gets that chance and he's out there on the road, but he's constantly checking in to let them know, I do care about you. I'm just out here, you know, making a living, but also like living my dream. And uh, she says, his wife says, even in a moment, it was like, he knows that in little moments that she's mad that he's not there, but she overall can handle it. And she knows that it's okay because he's doing what he wants to do. But like, even in those moments, like doing this takes a lot of time, right? Doing this for all of us. Like you're not at home right now, Alex. Like even like these moments, it feels selfish in a way. But yeah, yeah it feels I, like. I, I'll, not to cut you off, I... Last week when we did the forecast, I stood in my hallway for about five minutes when you asked me, do I want to do the forecast? It's like, I I do, but I don't. Yeah. And when I left tonight to come here, it's like, I want to do this show so much, and I love doing this, but I've got this, this little girl at home that yeah. I, no offense, love more. Like when we do this show, right? Well, he's a little inside baseball, but um, when we do this show, a lot of times the chance I get to read is on Thursdays. So, like at seven or something like that, I go, Hey, I'm going to go work on the podcast. And I come up here and uh, Sun's still awake. So, I just feel so much. And I'll be like, Hey, I got to go like do this for the show. Uh, so, like reading this was really brought that perspective too. Not only the thing with my father, but also the thing now with my son being like, uh, He wasn't there, even though he really wanted to be. And then he ended up dying and never seeing his son ever again, even though he's like, I'm, I'm going to come home in two days. I'm going to, so it, it really is. It's very hopeful at the end. They're like, cause they find out they're okay. Uh, they're going to be okay without him, but it's still very sad that, that he's not there anymore with them. I, uh, my, my dad actually was gone for three years up doing his work when I was in high school. And even when I was younger, he would go on trips. Now I don't remember the, obviously the younger ones, uh, even when I was in high school, it wasn't or middle school, it wasn't as big of a deal. Um, but I've actually grown to be a man of my dad and my mom actually were traveling this weekend. And every time I call my dad, even if it's he's in town, he just literally swung by and called me when he got home or something. Every time I get done talking, it's I love you. Because you never know what dumb stuff may happen. Yeah, exactly. like in this, he was having uh, brain surgery for that tumor. And there was complications. Like, by the way, that that's the only thing in this whole issue. I'll I'll I'm this whole book. I'll say that I didn't like was that it seemed weird that he'd be on a book tour and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna get surgery." By the way, I'm, I'm out here. That was a little weird. I thought uh, the like, way I understood it, it was sur- that it was an emergency. emergency. Oh, was it an emergency? That, oh, okay. that yeah. he had a headache that wouldn't go away, or something had debilitated him. That the only way to save him would be to do surgery. And in that emergency rush, 
something was missed oh, you're or right. it overtook Last minute yeah. surgery, it says. I missed that part. So I was going to say. Okay. It wasn't, that, that makes more sense. I okay. thought he was like, let me schedule the surgery while I'm not at home. And I was like, all right, maybe wait till you get home. But you can see also in that issue how much, like, again, focusing on the mother-son bond that, like, he's not there. He's always around. Like, everything, you I mean, he's around. But at that moment when she's thinking of Miguel yeah. at school when she sees the phone call from Baraz and's like, clearly he didn't pick up Miguel. So she's like, Miguel. And she like drives there, gets oh, yeah. to the school, picks him up. And, and like, he's that's standing in the rain. Phone. He's yeah. standing in the rain, just waiting, just waiting. And she's like, I, I do love my husband. I do care about him so much. But right now there's nothing more important to me than getting Miguel home and getting him. If you think house. about it also, like it, it really is a mother and son issue, but, um, it's a mother-son issue in a way showing you that if he's not there, it still puts a lot of burden on her to take care of the kid, even though she loves that kid a lot um, and she loves her husband a lot. It's still a lot. Right. I, I want to say for as much as we've talked about fathers, mothers, this it, it's a universal thing. Right. Yeah. That I don't I don't want to make it seem like parent. our dad. A it's a parent I keep thing. saying father because I'm a father. Well, I, and that's – I was going to say, I guess for me it's it's – it, the next issue I, I read, and it's Ooh, there's buddy. there's specific things yeah. that are mentioned, and I I filled it in differently because I I don't live the same life that Marvin has. <laughs> I've got uh, a daughter, and uh, I don't I just don't want if, if there are mothers listening to our show, if there are fathers listening, it is not a, a mother father thing. It is it is literally a parent. Oh wait, that thing. was that was issue eight. Here's issue nine. Um, issue nine starts with him waking up, and he. Uh, is not at a book tour. He's at home still. And uh, he was overslept. And he kind of has this weird dream where his wife's like, you get to dream your life away while I'm living our life. She goes, our life isn't as great as you thought it was. And the sinks are overflowing. She goes, uh, I can't take care of everything while you're in bed. When I'm supposed to leave my job. And she's like, tell those things. And he's like, what's going on? And uh, I think in that couple of ways, pages that's him realizing the amount of stuff that she sacrifices and the burden that she has being the mother and being uh the keeper of the household and then we cut to him being younger right he's the obit writer and this is kind of him like being depressed being obit writer uh not even trying not, not even trying himself. he he knew he, he has been running away from his dreams because he's afraid of failing and so this is the talking about him uh not trying to write because he's afraid that he's not gonna be good at it and then some girl comes up and was like hey you want to sign my book and he's like what book what are you talking about and it's another one of those things where it's kind of a dream like he's like i don't know what you're talking about and then he hears on the tv uh the plane that's gonna crash and he cuts to he's on the plane with jorge and he's like uh he has the book in his lap that's kind of like the uh connection between the two and he tells him, I go, hey, man, look out the window. He goes, uh, why are you so nervous? Are you afraid of flying? And he goes, no, no. He goes, just you got to look out the window sometimes. Just look out there. And they'll go out there and all of a sudden they're in the canyons like they were in an uh, issue prior. And uh, now he starts realizing, he's like, man, I got to start waking up. He goes, what's happening here? I don't understand what's going on. And he goes, where do you think you're going? You can't just run away. You know, it's never that easy. You have a decision to make. He goes, about what? And he goes, I think, you know, and Jorge points up to the, the uh, kite which in a prior issue was Brace's death and Brace is a kid again. And uh, he sees his dad at the uh, tree uh, reading some stuff he's uh, written down. 
he's reading it out loud and he goes up there and he turns into his adult self while he's walking up there and then he sees his kid self no he sees his son his son, his his son, son with his dad, dad yeah. and he's the dad's reading his grandson his writing and uh here's what they say he talks to his son he says he said it can only be you and he goes well i guess it's a story about death his son goes death and Brace goes, it's really about life, but death has a big part of it. And his son goes, I don't like death. And Brace goes, no one really does, but truth is, like it or not, everybody dies. And he goes, life is like a book, son. Everybody has, every book has an end. No matter how much you like that book, you'll get to the last page and it will end. No book is complete without its end. And once you get there, only will you read the last words, will you see how good the book is. It feels real. And he goes, now, he goes, go, I'm gonna, I can talk to your gran- grandpa. And he talks to his grandpa for a second here, and he goes, do I have to keep dreaming? And he goes, you have a choice. You can wake up or you can keep dreaming. And he decides to wake up, and you see that he's in his bed, and uh, the cancer finally, he's so sick, he looks pale, white hair. And you finally get the perspective, or the you know, perspective, but the idea that um, he's dying. And uh, that's what these dreams are in this last issue here, is that he's kind of like dreaming all this stuff reflecting back in his life and then he goes in uh writes uh his obit and he writes his obit and uh he dies all right is that what happens yeah he writes his obit and he dies and then he says this is the story of my life take a deep breath open your eyes and close the book and we get the final issue <coughs> the final issue is called the story of his life and he kind of goes through his whole life Seen from when he was born, we see the miracle finally happen. The uh, blackout that cuts to 60, uh, 76 years later when he finally he goes to the doctor and he's like, hey man, this cancer is spreading. We got to do treatments once again. Brady's like, no, nah, I'm done. He goes, I lived a good life. He goes, you still got years left. He goes, yeah, but I'm not going to go through treatment again and waste my last years being sick. He goes, I think I'm done. He goes, well, you're going to you know, be dizzy, uh, have headaches feel off balance, experiment loss of memory. And he goes, man, I'm old. That stuff's going to happen anyways. And uh, he decides to leave. He has his good part. This is a, this last issue, I would say, I don't know if you guys agree, and this might be too high a praise, but I'm going to say it. it. Might be some of the best writing I've ever read in my life. Some of these things that are said in here. It's like, especially yeah, about reflecting on life. It's like. Not only do I think issue 10 letter. is the strongest of the book. Um, I would actually agree. In all, in all honesty, the whole book is so well written, but there is just some stuff in this last issue that it touches home, and it really does kind of open your eyes to other parts of life. Well, there's a part here where he talks about what a home is, um, and I just want to read it quick. I just want to go home, he says, and he goes, it takes some time and a lot of looking around, but you eventually find out that your home is a lot more than just the house you live in. Breas has all the time in the world to fi- figure that out. He discovered your country can be your home or a city or just a particular neighborhood. Sometimes your life changes, you change, and your home moves to a different place. Breas realized that home is not a physical place at all, but a group of elements like the people you live with, a feeling, a state of mind. He feels safer just knowing that even if he's away, there's a home waiting for him to return. That's where he can rest, where he finds peace. He goes back home. I don't know where they live now. It's like in the kind of country, kind of. Um, and he's way old. His wife is way old. And he sees her and she says, hey, did you go see the doctor? 
And he goes, yeah. He says, I need treatments or I'm going to die. And he goes, I think I'm going to do the treatments though. Like he doesn't even try to like, like, like sugar coat. Sugar coat. He goes, I'm done. It's over. It's over. Oh, it's over. I'm done. And she looks at him. She tears up and she's smiling. She goes, I love you so much. I love you too, honey. We're going to be okay. And you know, we talked about art earlier. This living room feels like lived in. Like when I see this living room, I'm like, oh yeah, that's somebody's living room. Um, and he's out on the porch now with his son, Miguel. His son, Miguel, is older. And uh, he's looking out, and he sees his dad, like a ghost kind of his dad, right? And uh, this part, he's talking about a cake. But I think in real, in real, not real, I think realistically right here, he's thinking about his life when Miguel's like, did you have enough? Are you satisfied, dad? And then it cuts to, he goes, dad, you listen to me? He's like, oh, they're talking about cake. But I thought that was really like, a great moment to be like, even though Miguel's talking about that, is he's reflecting on like, it, did I live a good life or not? Because he knows that at this point he's dying, right? He's been scared of that for so long. And the moment that he knows for sure the expiration date is coming, that's when he's like uh, reflecting back, being like, you know what? He's had a good life. And uh, Miguel says, hey, by the way, that book that was on grandpa's, because uh, <coughs> Miguel's going to be moving into their grandparents' house. That book that was, if your book that was on his desk, there was a letter in there for you. So he gives it to him. He hugs him, says, I love you, son, because I'm so proud of you. And uh, here's the letter. Oh, oh buddy, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have to read the letter. I started tearing up as soon as that letter got brought up. I know, man. When it was like, man, his dad died and he wrote him a letter and he never saw it until he's 76 years old. He meant it for when he had his kid. And, uh, so when he have his kid, like 30-something, right? Yeah. 33? Yeah. So for like 40-some years later, 43 years later, he finally reads the letters that meant for Beth. But at this moment also, like I think it's a great moment for for Breas to get this letter because it's not only about his son being born, it's also about accepting that you're going to die. Uh, he says, Dear son, you're holding this letter now because it's the most important day of your life. You're about to have your first child. That means the life you built with such effort that you've conquered that you've earned has finally reached the point where it no longer belongs to you. This baby is the new master of your life. He is the sole reason for your existence. You're surrendered your life to him. Give your heart and soul because you want him to be strong, to be brave enough to make all decisions without you. So when he finally grows older, he won't need you. That's because you know, one day you won't be there anymore for him, for him anymore. Only when you accept that one day you'll die, can you let go and make the best out of life. And that's the big secret. That's the miracle. And uh, it cuts to he's sitting in the bed with his wife, writes her a letter, and then he walks out to the beach, puts three candles in the beach, and then he continues reading the letter, or the letter continues here, and make the best out of life. And that's the big secret. That's the miracle. Your life is out of your hands now, just like mine has been since the day you were born. I'm writing this letter to congratulate you. And admit that you don't need me anymore. So he wrote that letter for his son, Brace. His dad wrote that for Brace when his uh, son was born. Was like, this is the finally the moment where I I say you don't need me anymore. This is the moment when I can die now and not feel like. And I, you know he dies all the all these years, and especially that issue uh, eight. He died and he left behind his son when he was son was younger, and. Now he's at a point where he's, he's like, yeah, I can I can die now. My son doesn't need me or he's strong enough that he can live on his own. And uh, his dad was at that point, which 
he wrote that letter the day that he died. He didn't mean to, but he did. Yeah. And Breus wrote read that letter the day that he died. So in a way, that letter helped two people not fear death anymore and decide you're all going to be okay. And uh, I think we all agreed. <laughs> I read that letter. And uh, that part when he was like, oh, here, you want to know? I'll tell you specifically where I cried. Uh, and because you know one day you won't be there anymore for him, only you'll accept that one day you'll die and, and you can let go and make the best out of your life. So that part where he's like, he talks about being like, uh, once you realize that you want to make your son, daughter, whoever it is in your life, you want to make them strong enough to carry on without you. That's when you don't fear death anymore because you realize everything will be okay when you're gone. And uh, even for like, uh, in terms of like a son or daughter, for me at least, for a son, I was like, you know what? I read that and I was like, it's true because of everything you teach, I'm trying to teach them now is to go on to the next stage and eventually there's a point when you're like, you're okay to go on your own. And and for a while, they're also when they're on their own, I was say about your age, Garrett, right? It's kind of still like you're still there for them. But then there's a certain point when I guess uh, the son becomes, I and it wouldn't even say father, but at this point, it's the, becoming a father of themselves where they gain that perspective and be like, oh, I get it now. And uh, then his father can be like, okay, now you're okay now. And, uh, what do you think about that? I know we all said we liked it. My my part that actually started the, uh, not the heartbreak, but the tears for me was just the first part being told that with my daughter being born, my life is no longer mine. That her life is my top priority. And that was, I, as I'm sitting on my couch tonight reading, I look at my wife and I look at my daughter and I just go, holy shit. <sighs> Oh, by the way, I'm a, I am not a very good tearer upper and talking, so eventually the guys may take over for me. <laughs> um, it was that that anything I do is not for me. Yeah, it's for her. Yeah, and uh, I think it goes back to the, that one issue uh, eight when he's not there, right? When you think like what we were just talking about being selfish, but um, he tries to live his dreams in this life. But he also has to remember that he has somebody there that is, uh, what do you call it? Depending on them, right. right? So, I mean, this book is like a roller coaster of like happy, hopeful, and then... So layered. So, uh, what do you call it? Um, reflective. And I think, especially that last issue, like I said, one of the best issues uh, I probably read in my life. Um this whole book, at least, at least at any point in your life when you're like, you could read, like Gary could read it and be like, I got something out of this. Uh, we read, I got something out of this. And like Alex was talking about earlier, uh, when we're old enough that we don't have uh, fathers anymore, even parents, mothers, we could read this and be like, I got something else out of this. And uh, I think it might be hyperbole, but I think that's reflective of any great art that multiple people can read and be like, I got something different out of that. Different interpretations. <clears throat> it's a great book. I mean, it is very... Uh, heavy. Heavy. Yeah. For us to pick. But, I mean, I think it's... I think that's the point of this this uh, book club, though. It's, it's to read things that aren't, aren't the normal things we talk about on a weekly basis. I, uh, I think a part of me is that I, I know that reading this book again years from now is going to affect me way different than it does now. 
And uh, I think that's why I, I like doing this book club. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we do. Here's here's three months or four months to get yourself either mentally prepared for something you may have never read before. Like the next book that I know we talk about, I've never read. Yeah. Uh, this is a book I have read. And I actually felt guilty about it when, we, when I told you guys this is what I want to do. By the way, when we talk about the next book, the next book... The type of book it is is not reflective of this book being so heavy. It's just that I wanted to do that book. Next. No, and, and, and I mean, it's one of those things that even... Um, no, I just want to know that... I just want people to know that it's they're not... They're all going to be sad. Why? Well, that. But also, I didn't want people to be like, uh, oh, he made it happier because his book was sad. No, well, it was like, just one that I thought about before we, before I even got a chance to reread this. Yeah. Well, like Umbrella Academy, it's, <laughs> it's, it's books that it invites you to read something different than you normally would read. Yeah, and that's what this book was for me. And I tonight on my drive over to uh, the studio, I was thinking, you know, I'm so thankful that I I wanted to read this book, right. and I think yeah, it was it's, a good it's a good reflective for no matter what what life you're from, because this book has has the child, has the old man, has the the young friendship, adult, has the friendship, has the I want to find a girlfriend, and I found this girl, and it's there's so many layers to this book. Every issue invites a different feeling from you and that i i i feel so satisfied reading this book and you're right marvin there are some of the best writing best that dialogue yeah and best i didn't prose. do it justice at all uh you kind of have to read and reflect on it and read at your own pace also i want to say that uh i am glad you picked this book because i don't think this is a book i see on my shelf and be like yeah i would read that today right this is a book like where, i told you i had it for five years i read it that's a book where you really have to like be like okay i have to read i'm gonna read this because we're all gonna read and reflect on it or talk about it and uh i knew it's gonna be hard I, we've been joking about it for the last three months on this podcast get ready to cry uh still cried mm-hmm. like i knew it was coming but you cannot read those words and cannot read this whole book seeing those different perspectives relationship fathers sons mothers see all this stuff and not be like and it's not like these i mean this whole thing takes place in brazil it's not even like it's taking place in something I relate with it based on a human level, not yeah. based on like, oh, this is me. No, it's not really yeah. me. I mean, the guy kind of looks like me. But, Geog- and geography know. has nothing to do with it. It's human life. It's human and beings. I th- it's. I think that's a great part of it because there are some things when you see like the currency and things that they say or the uh, festival where you kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot this is a different country. But other than that, all the themes and art, like just such how people are. That's how hu- like it, all it is about human interaction and how people can get through life and not worry about death and decide to live the best life that they can live because, I mean, that's what you have to do is every day you can't be like, you know what, I could die. <laughs> Literally every morning you could drive your car, leave your, your driveway and die. Right? You could fall down your stairs. You could fall down your stairs. You literally could go to sleep and never wake up, right? But you can't be so afraid of that that you don't take a chance and right. go out with that girl. You can't take a chance and decide to have a kid. You can't be so afraid of it that you don't take a chance and reach for your dreams, even though I think that's the thing about this too. It's not even about like, I don't think that issue eight is about <coughs> not following your dreams because you have a kid. It's being understanding that you have to have some sort of balance and that even though he died when he was out there, he still cared for his family and they understood that. And I think that's what that smile is at the end when they hug each other and they get the dog. Like he wanted the dog for them because he was like, Hey, I kind of want to make our family more complete. I saw two kids, uh, two parents and a dog. Like that's going to be us one day. And he was like, there are some sacrifices that you make as a parent, you make as any kind of relationship in order to benefit that relationship. 
and it's not like his dad was never uh, there for him. So in a way, for, he saw that and decided to fix it. He had the same sacrifice as his father, but he decided that he would be more involved and make the uh, choice that when he was home, he was with them. And he was trying to make sure that he built those relationships. And so, and I think uh, when we talked about before about perspectives, this book is probably the best example I could be like, you know, you read something and you're like, that's what comic books should be. Any art should be is for you to read and be like, oh, I understand something now. We talked about it with uh, the other side. When I read that, I was like, oh, I understand something now. Like, I understand it's not just us going out or to Vietnam and fighting the uh, Vietnam soldiers. It, it was Vietnam soldiers trying to protect their homeland. Like, I never thought about it that way until I read that book. And then now we're reading this. And it's also about perspective being like, oh, okay. Now, like I told you, now I understand that these same fears you have as a parent aren't just for me. They're universal. And the only way you get over them, the only way you live your life is deciding, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can. I live life the best, like try to do the best I can, live life the best I can. You can't always be worried about what could go wrong today. You have to worry about what can I do better today. Um, and I think, you know, what we try to accomplish with this book club is we're interpret we're interpreting an art form. We're not, we don't want to like, I mean, anybody could review, we could review All-Star Superman. We could do all the, like, Dark Knight Returns. We could review all those books. But that's not what this book club is about. This book club is about taking a piece of art, interpreting it, like finding the points of view in it, and exposing that. And like, not all the time are me, Marvin, and Alex always going to agree on what we think about a book. But what's beautiful about these books and these things that we try to read something outside the norm is they can do exactly that. That going in, you might expect something, and when you leave, you got something else that could change your life. There's a message in so many pieces of art, and especially this book here. I mean, I don't think Garrett prior to Day Tripper is going to ever be able to compete with Garrett post Day Tripper. So I think that, you know, what was that, 250 pages? If 250 pages has potential to change your life. 243, really good. Yeah, 243. I mean, think about a power of a comic book, an issue. Like, that's art. And that's why we appreciate it. And that's why we want to expose it. And, you know, hey, I mean, like, it, goes, it goes back to what you said. Like, we literally had this discussion before we started the book club yeah. show. We could pick books that are plot heavy or like pick a book that is like, uh, you know, but it's we have the chance to talk about 10 issues. We're going to talk about 10 issues that I mean, on our show, if you listen to our show, our show is a lot of those kind of like uh, superhero kind of yeah. comic. And everyone's where we have Royal City and stuff like that. But um I think with this, especially with like the other side, that was a pick that I never expected. And then with this, I, this one was understood, but also like we talked about at the beginning of the show, it's different now. Like it's different when I read this book now than when I read the first time or read the second time. Uh, even my first pick was something I was like, I don't even know what this could be about. I was like, why don't we try this? And uh, my next pick is kind of like that too. Like I kind of know what to expect from it, but I hope with that book, and I think what we give with this book uh, is going to be something more than uh it's kind of like this discussion here we can delve into it and it's more just about it's less about <clears throat> hey what's the plot of these 10 issues it's more about uh you know talking about these things that we talk about briefly week to week about perspective about art about this medium of comic books and uh great pick 
by the way. Yeah. I mean, you can see the power of it. Like, you know, even sometimes like thinking back to Umbrella Academy, if I'm ever like in a bad mood, I plump the Black Parade album up on my uh, on my iPod. And I only got exposed to that because of learning about, you know, Gerard Way and hey, Umbrella. Yeah. I mean, every t- I mean, every piece of each book we've done so far has given me something. And I think me appreciating that art form is me or paying the favor. That first one, blew, uh, Umbrella Academy, blew me away just on thinking about how creative that was. Yeah. Like those ideas, I'm like, who the fuck thinks about this stuff? Right. And that's why even like when I listen to that music now, too, before I was just like, oh, this is a pop song. But then now when you listen to it, I'm like, you listen to the lyrics and I go, oh no, this is a story he's telling. Yeah, there's so many lyrics. And like I know that Draw Wade is a storyteller now. And the other side, like I said, Vietnam soldiers, I never thought about it from their perspective. And it teaches you to when any situation, at least I had this way out of it. The other side teaches you like when you're in a situation, not only think about your own situation, be like, how's this affecting the other person? Like what's really coming out of this? And this one, I think really teaches you to be like, you can't always be worried about failing or dying well dying's away failing you can't be always afraid of failing sometimes you have to take a chance and hope just for the best um so great good book so far we'll talk about yeah. the next book here in a second uh uh should we play his voicemail he had a voicemail no. voicemail from a reader uh that watched and watched and yeah, maybe they watched it, i don't know they may put it on their screen but uh watched uh <laughs> once again watched a uh, red day tripper i'm sick don't keep. <laughs> I know I've been coughing all show. Sorry, guys. Season change. Eh. <coughs> you know, it might help that if I take this off on mute, but I think this is like the third time I've done that in the show. No, Grandma. Marvin never answers the phone. It always goes to his secretary. Oh, hey, Wednesday Comics. This is Sergeant America coming at you. Boom! I just wanted to tell you guys I did read my book report for the, uh, uh, what is it you guys call it? The guys that like to read on Wednesday, they get these too long of a nature books. I got to tell you, this was a, another tough one for me. First off, uh, you know, I, I do love Fabio Moon's art. Um, but while reading this one, Day Tripper, sorry, uh, Gabriel Baugh, Fabio Moon's Day Tripper, uh, it was an excellent pick. I understand where you guys are coming from. Uh, but seriously, it was like homework. Um, the idea of the cycle of life is what I originally thought it was going to be. You know, they talk about, you know, the special miracle child born in darkness, uh, you know, the power outage and then grows up and then gets to be uh, uh, a man and then dies in the end. Um, and then, of course, I see over and over again, same character, same thing going on. Uh, trying to figure this out, but it's just so sad. I mean, if you have to be in a real mental state to read this book, and it was tough. I, I so often uh, was just struggling to get into that mental place to read the book and be ready for it. Uh, the ending, of course, was excellent. I'm sure you guys will talk about it on the show. Uh, getting to the point where, you know, it explains that this man has, uh, I presume, brain cancer, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so he is misremembering his life, and so the same characters keep getting repeated and changed. It was, I don't know, very almost lost episode-like. Um, it, you know, it was. It was smart. All the artwork in it was beautiful. It was very good, but boy, I mean, what are you guys going to do? I mean, get puppy books next time? Seriously, I would love to have us dig into a uh, superhero book 
something a little lighter, something that's not going to be a punch in the nuts, but I understand why you guys do it. It was a deep pick, excellent pick, good book. Oof. I'm Sergeant America. I'm signing off. Catchphrase. I think we kind of really talked about that, um, what he what he uh, mentioned. But, I mean, I think the uh, – it might have to do with – and I'm going to have to consult my uh, my titler over here. I have to do with that little title. People are expecting League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like some sort of like superhero League thing. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Let's call it Wednesday Comics Book of Sorrows. <laughs> Hell no, no. But I think I think it, I mean How he about did, his nut punch. I think uh, Sarge said he didn't it. He didn't enjoy it because it was so depressing. But he didn't know how powerful it was, and he said he, the last issue was. I mean, I don't think you can read the last issue, and I think it's great. Um, he said it was great, but I think it really is. I do not. Like, you know, I was talking about. Um, earlier in the show being like i think you really have to be in a certain mindset being like knowing that this book is going to be uh depressing in a way well i gotta ask garrett did it did it help you knowing that this book would be heartfelt and that it may be tough to read or what if, do you mean, if, if, like me? if we hadn't told you uh marvin's cried at this book um that it, it's it's a it is an emotional book if we just were like hey we're gonna read day tripper enjoy it would you have enjoyed this book more being thrown into the deep end, not knowing what was going to come? Um, I think no, because I think the hesitations that I have going into it, just like I've, I've explained it like literally half hour ago on the show, um, when there's something like super, maybe it's been longer than that, whatever, but when there's something super heavy emotionally that I'm going into, you know, I, uh, you know, I've had some tragedies in my life, and you know, it's it's bad to do this, but I kind of lock those things in a box, and like I don't like to go back to those places. So knowing that I'm going to read a book that could take me there, um, I'm always hesitant. But you know, it's kind of like before you're going into a test or anything like that, you just take a deep breath and say, "Hey, like this is you're just going to do it." So I read the book, and I think knowing going in, I was keeping my like I was keeping the book at arm's length, and before I knew it my arm was down to my side and I was just entranced by the story. And I think by going in with a hesitation, just being worried that it was going to be too over the top. I think it actually softened me to like emotionally connect to all the characters and be like, Hey, you know, this is real. This is, you feel this, you're going to feel this. This is actual real in your mind. So no, I think, I think if I would have gone into it blindly, like, I would have been. I think I would have enjoyed it less, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah, I, I think. I mean, I don't think it's, uh, Sarge is wrong in saying that he didn't like it because he didn't want it to be. He didn't want to read something depressing. I mean, that's only your opinion. And I think anybody else that's like likes something that was like, oh, I, just, I don't like reading comics to like feel sad. Well, then you're not gonna like this book because there's no way you read this thing and not get sad at any point. Because we talked about before, there's something for everybody to f- reflect on their life, and I think. It's reflective in a way not to be like, oh, yeah, that's funny. I relate with that. It's in a reflective way being like, uh, like we talked about having perspective, like I said before, about because it's about going through bad things, but finding the good in every day and living your life every day and not just being held down by those things. I, uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in reading comic books that I, I want to feel things. Yes, there are superhero books that I read just to watch Batman or Spider-Man beat the piss out of somebody. Well, together? Um, Both of them? Of course. Fight each other? Team-ups. Um, but when we read uh, Animosity, at least Garrett and I read issue two, uh, Sandor gets beaten. And I remember 
texting at least Marvin, not Garrett, too. I hated this issue because I was so pissed at what happened. And that's that's an issue that stays with me because I was so pissed at what I read. And those are those are the books that I actually enjoy the most are the ones that make me feel or that that I can I can um, relate to. I've obviously never been beaten unconscious, but I just I love animals so much that, that pissed me off. I live a life. I have I have a wife. I have had a girlfriend who you know turned into my wife. I have a daughter. These things are real for me. These things aren't just a book. This is going, hey, reflect on your own life. And that means a lot to me. So you can bridge that. Gap uh, yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, so this book is, I think, big for me is that I wanted you to read it, Garrett, mm-hmm. for the first time being like, okay, it, it's it's hard to read sometimes. <clears throat> but it is so, so fruitful to read it. There's so many things you're going to take from yeah. it. And for Marvin and I to read it again, this was an eye opener. And you're right. The Alex that read this three years ago, I'm now I, I feel as a different man. I look at my wife and I look at my daughter with just I am so blessed with my life that I I I, I teared up again on the show. Two hundred and fifty pages literally changed your life. Yeah. Twice. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this book is not to not to oversell it for anybody, this really is an amazing book that go into it knowing that it may pull on some heartstrings. But at the end of the book, you're going to be just like, I, this is life. I think when I finished that book, I don't think I've been in a better mood in months than when I finished that book today. I like, I read it and I've never been in higher spirits, like about something so heartfelt. I just, I felt lighter than air. Like it felt great. I, I still feel that way. I feel like I have a new perspective on the world. uh, just from reading that book. Uh, so that's day tripper, Fabio moon. Gabriela. Uh, Vertigo, it's 20 bucks, or you can put rent it on Hoopla and read that here. So, uh, the next book we'll be doing in uh, the show, so the next quarter ends in July, first week of July, right? Am I fucking up like last time? No, you're right. I don't know. Okay. So, uh, wait, no, wait, sizzle? wait, wait. So, four months or three months? Three months. Three, three months. months. You're right. Next seven, quarter is July. Seven is July. So, the next book, the first Wednesday in July, you get your voicemails in, six to five to. 1849. Uh, 605. What is it? 219? Oh, that's 1849. Right on there. Chat, write it on there. It's on. Oh, I have it right here. Um, oh, no, I closed it. Anyways, whatever. I'll look it up here in a second. Um, it's in the show notes. Look in the show notes down below. It's right there. But uh, get your voicemails in. Wednesday comic 605.gmail.com. Send us your email. And, uh, you know, 605-215-1849. Yeah, that's right. And uh, tweet at us, Facebook at us, your uh, comments, uh, questions, anything you want to talk about. The next book, uh, Punching Babies. Uh, no, it's yeah. not Punching Babies. <laughs> uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, Whoa. book one by Alan Moore. I mean, Wednesday Comics, Leave Extraordinary Gentle. Gentle People proudly presents. Saga of the Swamp Thing, book one by Alan Moore. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about the first book. It is, uh, I guess, technically more superhero, but it is really a reflection. And we, t- if you go back to our discussion with John Boylan about that uh, winter special, a lot of times Swamp Thing in this one you'll see uh, when it comes up is more about what it means to be human. And I think uh, kind of getting a, a little, uh, our books are more like, like I said, they're also going to be about something like this. So that's what this can be about. Uh, that show. Speaking of John Boylan. Uh, he should be on that show. We didn't invite him on it. He'd accept. 
So uh, John will be here. So you want to only get three uh, dweebs talking about it. You get an expert in Swamp Thing. Return of the King of the Green. That will Swamp know Thing. what he's talking about Swamp Thing. And we'll bring our little jip and jab, um, a little a little jig. And we'll talk about that <laughs> book. But let us know what you think about it. Go ahead and get it's a book that's everywhere. It's out in, uh, you can buy it. Uh, Garrett was looking to yeah. buy this issue. Yeah, so I went to the library. I saw it at the library. It's on Hoopla. Read this Swaga, Saga of the Swamp Thing book one. You know what? You read it. Then go to rootsofswampthing.com and uh, make sure you look more, read more about the green. If you want more information, background information, go there. Uh, like I said before, email wednesdaycomics605.gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Are you going to try out Day Tripper? What's going on here? Too depressing for you? Uh, you looking for a little perspective in your life? Uh, let us know. Uh, at Wednesday Comics is our uh, Twitter. You can let us know there. At Alex Pastrello is his Twitter. At Karat2188. At Marvin underscore Sogwirl. And at Pastrami News. Uh, is he dead again? Uh, he probably got kidnapped. Uh, Facebook.com <laughs> slash Wednesday Comics Podcast. Find our Facebook page, like our Facebook page there, and uh, invite your friends to like the Facebook page. YouTube, find, search for Wednesday Comics. You can see uh, the gauntlet late last week. Uh, I put a reminder out this this next this I, Yeah, you know, week. I downloaded it on my phone. But I got to edit still, and that shouldn't take that long. I should probably do it tonight while this is editing. Uh, so gauntlet's going to be on there. Catch up gear. If that ever comes out again. And I've been, catch, I've been caught up. In this way, show. I gotta ask, how many issues behind are you, Garrett? Marvin, I know one hundred thousand. What's up? <laughs> you want to know this every week? I am. I am at least fifty issues behind. Forty-five total. Okay. Uh, so look, uh, look for a couple of issues of a uh, catch up with Garrett. Um, you think maybe I should just start cleaning and throw all these away? All these books? Yeah. I don't think you could organize yourself to throw them in the trash. No. Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like I said before, 605-215-1849. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, let us know. Actually, we got the whole month booked up, so these shows coming out are going to be hot. You're going to want to want listen to them. Send us a voicemail. Let us know what you're thinking about. Month of April, that's the, you know, comes in like a, a lamb, leaves like a lion. That's weird because that's March, but okay. All right. I'm a month behind. Does the lion eat the lion? <laughs> Um, is it March? It's March. What March. about the, the 14th of... April uh, showers bring May flowers. So far, all that... Uh, I heard is April brings uh, snow plowers. Hey, it's the 15th. Calendar man doesn't even know the saying. Is the 15th of April is that the Ides of March? Nope, still still <laughs> wrong. That's that's uh, tax time. Like I said at our book club, Saga of Swamp Thing, book one. Get that book, Alan, Alan Moore. Supercon 2018, Return of the Con, September 28th, 29th, and 30th. We'll be there on 28th doing a live show. Uh, uh, we'll be doing that jig I'm talking about. I mean, I will actually jig. You want to see me jig? Come to the show. Absolutely not. Um, I'm good. <laughs> Uh, you'll see us uh, three buffoons, maybe some other guests. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be a big show. You're going to make sure you're going to be there, but also other things going on. By the weekend pass, only $30. That's $30. It goes to a good cause. All charity donations. It's a nonprofit. We go sell to literacy. We're, we're going to let people know that reading is cool, and that's what that's about. <laughs> Sorry. We're reaching out to everybody. <laughs> reading is cool. Like it I said cool. before, roots of the swamp thing. That kind of go there, learn about the swamp thing, and... uh you guys ever have any questions? DC World Swampy on Twitter at or Roots of Swamp Thing on Facebook. Throw them a question there if you have this. Uh, if you read the saga of the Swamp Thing, you have a question. Throw them a question. He'll answer it. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the show. That's on uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. Now you can follow us on Spotify. Um, let your friends know they can subscribe too. You know what? Go to your friend's house and subscribe for him. He doesn't know how to do it. You got to do it for him. I don't know what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Hey, by the way, yeah, go to our Instagram and Wednesday <laughs> Comics Podcast is our username. 
and uh, follow us because we're putting on more pictures. Uh, uh, speaking of my wife before, she's in charge of it. She's putting out some pictures, and uh, it's been going pretty good. Uh, we have some listeners that are like, hey, what do you have this Instagram for? And I use it. Yeah, we're using it now. So, uh, maybe you know what? Let me take a picture of Alex right now. You can see. I should have taken a picture when you were crying. Then we could put that in Instagram. <laughs> Here, I'll spit at you. You don't look like tears. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, a, it was a, a very uh, serious show. Usually we're, like I said, doing that jig. But uh, today we are more serious. We'll turn in next week. We might be doing the jig. And, oh, by the way, here, we, we had this okay, whole... I got to say, if, if anybody comes in September and they actually expects us to do jigs, I'm blaming you. You don't know how to jig? Do you know how to jig? I know how to get jiggy with it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Two different things. <laughs> Big Willie style. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Uh, Almighty guys, I think um, I think I uh, we need to record that whole show over again. I didn't push play, record. I, I literally I, end. I, I guarantee I you, I would retire from the show and find your someone chest else. Cavity you know what? I don't fear death. I fear not pushing record. That's what happens every week. <laughs> so uh, for this week, I'm do in, you fear a knee to the balls? I this week I've been Marvin. I am Alex, and I'm Garrett. And you better hear me say this: else Marvin got a knee to the balls. <laughs> Hey, everyone, uh, keep trying those pages.